get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN. Good morning, St. Louis. It's Carriker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman with you. Randy Carriker is off again today, so we have the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, sitting in with us for another three hours. Good morning, Kerbs. Sleep doesn't matter. It doesn't, and it you're doesn't. coming off a blues game, so you definitely didn't have any sleep. I got, I got enough. I got enough. You hit this point, and I'm so glad that somewhat of the normal sports seasons are back, at, at least for those of us kind of working in it every day, and because... I was so used to either not knowing whether you were going to get three hours, five hours, eight hours sleep. I would normally go on a a pattern where I might go about eight, nine, ten days of go, go, go. And then there's just one morning where I just I end up being like a polar bear and just knock it out for (laughs) about 12 hours. But the um, but but this is fun. I like kind of going in there, getting the energy and getting back up again and. And I I was telling you, you know, with with kids, I was just telling you this, you know, with with our first daughter, there was no way I was going to, you know, the helicopter parent in you of what you do with your first versus your third or (laughs) or whatever. Right now, the youngest at 11. Yeah, Dad, see, I get get yourself on the bus, all all that other stuff. It's it's hilarious. So th- this, this is fun. I- I'm I'm good. I won't fall asleep to you until about ten fifteen. That's all we need. All Just I need is you awake until ten o'clock. I can do that. Well, you're probably more wiped out than I am. I mean, you did one of the hardest. Like, there may not be many more stressful things to do than move. Oh, it's like the in worst. the grand scheme of things, like you get the excitement, but with it is the boxes. What do I do with the boxes? How do I unpack? Geez, I'm tired and I don't want to unpack. And then that's always nagging at you. So it'll be a it'll still be a, a week or two of, or more of settling in. But you, you I got to think today, like you dealt with that yesterday. You got more appointments today. Oh, yeah. You're just going to wipe yourself out. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like you. I'm going to polar bear by Saturday. Yep. We're going to polar bear by Saturday. You know what we're unpacking is we're going to unpack a lot of sports news today, Curbs. Because yeah, there's a lot going on. Even though the Cardinals did not play last night, we have some Cardinals news. Harrison Bader was named the National League Player of the Week yesterday. He's been unbelievable for the past week, but during this Cardinals run, he's the second Cardinal curbs in back-to-back weeks to get this designation. Tyler O'Neill, of course, got it last week. But Harrison Bader... During this past week, he had 517, 15 for 29 with 10 runs, five doubles, three home runs, six RBI, and two stolen bases across eight games. Oh, an excellent week for Harrison Bader. And really curbs the entire Cards outfield contributing. They're a, a major reason why the Cardinals are riding the 16-game win streak. Uh, they know who's playing. Uh, guys are in roles. Guys are healthy. Guys have a little bit more experience. You know, and, and it kicks in. Do you know, like, like if, if you're breaking Harrison Bader down right now, 
Do you know what you have as a player yet? I would say that we have enough of a sample size, yes. You now do, based on what you've seen this year. So so this is, and, and I tend to agree with you. This shows you, go back a couple years when he came on the scene, just kind of electric, uh, you know, almost had that kind of that Joe McEwing factor where you just kind of came on the scene and lit it up. You're hitting some bombs. You're playing some great defense. And then you really slipped off, right? And, and, and now he's starting to find the consistency. And one of the things he said, about this is the mental approach. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about what happened yesterday. Wins game time today, and you only get that approach through being around veteran players. You only get that approach through experience, and then it starts to build consistency. And I, it was so many times in today, like we don't, we don't give a lot of players and young guys room to improve and grow. And figure things out once they're here. You know, it's almost sort of like you, the Pujols factor. They come on, and by the end of week one, you think you might have a Hall of Famer on your hands. That, that doesn't, that's not normal. Right. So th- this this is really cool to see this go. And now, now you know you got a real strong center fielder. You know that even if the bat slumps a little bit, the defense is going to be elite. And then you can you continue to grow at the plates. And, and this is it's a cool process to watch with him. And and, and a really neat to see him jump to the front like he has over the last month. Absolutely. It's been great to watch all of the outfielders really take that next step in one way or the other this season. John Mozalek heading into 2021 has had said this is going to be an evaluation year, especially for the outfielders. And I think you certainly got that. As we mentioned, yeah. you, you got enough of a sample size. I'm curious how people feel about Harrison Bader because I think if you look at the three guys in the outfield, Dylan Carlson is so young that I think a lot of people were giving him time to blossom. And you've yep. seen a lot of promising things out of him. I think a lot of people are excited for the future of this Cardinals team with Dylan Carlson as a foundational piece. Tyler O'Neill certainly has shown you what he's capable of. You've seen not only where his floor is, but where the ceiling could be. And a lot of people are excited about Tyler O'Neill. But, Curbs, a lot of people were not sold on Harrison Bader. Even though he is an elite defender, I think a lot of people were wondering what he would give the Cardinals from an offensive standpoint. So I'm curious, 65780 to the Air Comfort Service text line. Now that Harrison Bader has shown you what he is capable of offensively, yes, you'd like to see that consistently, but just in general, with the sample size that you've gotten on Harrison Bader, what are your thoughts? Give us a text on the Air Comfort Service text line. I'm really curious what people are thinking about him. Okay, so but that's why I asked, do you really know what you have? I think the Cardinals knew all along that they've got somebody that, that is a terrific defender. All right? You know, but you go back to a season ago, and, I mean, look, he only played in 50 games. He only had 125 at-bats, you know, and, and just all in all, you didn't see you didn't see a whole lot going on there. You know, twice in his career, he's had a slugging percentage under 400, right? And so even right now, even right now, you've got to have this little thing in the back of your head that says, can he bring this? Now, look, the, the offensive clip he's been on lately, don't expect that. Okay, but can he bring something just even more consistently over the course of the year? And if he can, you know, th- then then you have something, you know. Then so to me, you've got you got Bader who's twenty seven, you've got Carlson who's twenty two, you've got O'Neill who's twenty six, and all three are different. You're not looking at Bader as a prototypical power outfielder that kind of thing. Dylan Carlson may have more of the true baseball look. Tyler O'Neill is just a muscle from his eyebrow to his toe, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and they can absolutely pound the ball. And it's working right now. 
So that, that's that's the cool thing, and at least you know that you, between the three of them, you will find some pretty consistent offense there throughout a year. We're getting a ton of text to the Air Comfort Service text line. I want to read one to you, Curbs, before we move on to the Blues. From the 618, Bader's energy and defense is a perfect complement to this team when the rest of the people who are supposed to hit are hitting. No, he's absolutely right. And when the other guys that are supposed to hit, like Goldschmidt, who's had really an ama- a, a fantastic, well, a very good year, but a fantastic second half, too. You know, with, with Arenado swinging the bat at the same time as Goldschmidt, Sosa was a huge part of what we've seen here. And then, you know, you know, DeYoung gets back in there, is able to pop his 19th home run and add to the offense as well. When, when those other guys are hitting, it for, like it protects other people in the lineup. It actually makes it easy. If those other guys are hitting, then some of these pitchers can go shred the other guys that might be a little more consistent because you're not as fearful. You're as fear, you're more fearful of, of, of the Arenados, of the Goldschmidts, of those guys. You may walk them. You put them on base. Maybe they get on base. That changes the situation now or with Bader. And I think we talked about this yesterday, right? Some fans could text it in and, and ask whether or not Bader should move up the lineup. You're right. like, whoa, keep him where he is because if those guys – you know, in, in, in three, four, five are getting on base. Now they have to pitch to Bader differently because somebody's in in scoring position. Little nuances of the game like that change can, can completely change how a hitter's approach. If they're struggling and not getting on, well, you can pick the corners. You can try and throw some change ups in the dirt, get a guy to fish. You got runners on base. You don't necessarily pitch that same way to guys like Bader. And this Cardinals defense has been a huge reason why they're having success. This defense is elite, and this defense is not the same if Harrison Bader is not there. And when you're evaluating a player, one thing that I always look at is, can he do something elite? Can he do something at at a peak level, at a peak performance level? And your team defensively, we saw this season when Harrison Bader was out, when he was dealing with that rib. It's a different animal when Harrison Bader is not in center field. So I, th- I think moving forward, if you're the Cardinals, that – you know he is capable. Whatever has clicked with this with this offense, I'm gonna just hope that it's something that uh, it was a learning lesson. Whatever it is, whether it was I, the high level curriculum that clicked in, or if it was pulling back on that, whatever it is, I'm hoping that that translates to next season and we see more of a consistent offense for a full season with the Cardinals. But regardless of that, with Harrison Bader, I I just think that. You know what you're going to get from him game in and game out in center field, and I'm, I'm sold on that. All right, so to me, first off, on the on the the defense side of things, I don't think you can sit there and say you've, you've got elite pitching or great pitching on any staff in just about any era of baseball without having good defense behind that pitcher. Right. You know, and, and even though you may not have had great teams, you know, Randy Johnson pitched on some teams that weren't great. They did have some success for a while, in there, but, you know, good good defense up the middle and, and, and things along those kind of lines. Strong on the corners. If you have a good defense, you can let, as a pitcher, you know that the ball can be put in play and you're going to get outs. An elite defense with an above-average defense like the Cardinals have, statistically, Right, you're going to get more outs that maybe even a team with just a, a decent or good defense isn't going to get. You, know, you save that that extra ball or two that should have dropped in for a hit. You know that seeing eye grounder that that doesn't get through because you make a great play like Sosa can do it at short. You know that boy, what that does to your pitching staff. Then you know what they do? They say, "Oh, okay, I don't have to be as you know pinpoint placement as I need to be." 
they can put the ball in place. You're not walking as many people. You're not walking as many people, right? You're using that defense as an asset. You're going to start winning games. Now you're keeping the pace of the game going, right? And guys are getting into a rhythm. You clean up the mental side of what happened at the plate. And I talked to somebody last night, uh, pretty in tune to the what's going on inside, you know, that that clubhouse. And you remember, like we we asked, I asked him the same question we asked Danny yesterday about uh, the timing of Tommy Edmonds' comments about yes. being prepared, and 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 he he felt that yeah, there there really was something to that 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 created conversations, and and what they've done is you know from a coaching staff they kind of listened to that and and there became a little bit more a little bit more of a back and forth of what is really needed. How are guys absorbing it? The three of us in this studio could sit down with Marconi, the guy that invented radio, right? And he might, he might tell us, he might tell, tell us all three different things or say the same thing. And we might take it and use it our own way, three different ways. Right. And, and that's, that's what these guys are doing. Well, they figured out how to kind of, adjust their approach and the mental side of what they're looking to do and, and whether it's a little less analytical and numbers driven and, and, and a little more, you know, technical and intuitive. each guy intuitive doing it, you know, to not not as much of the uh, analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis as mm-hmm. I get dyslexic on my cliches. Right. <laughs> so and, and, and it's working. And and I th- that is something that I do think that management is going to realize and assess again as they move further and into the offseason because whatever approach they, they figured out, it's clicking. And, and, and it's a positive because now you're getting the production from the vets and the youth, and that's that's huge. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. A ton of feedback on Harrison Bader. We're going to revisit this and get to your text. You can also leave us a mic drop on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. You can find it on the 101 ESPN app. But coming up next, we're going to need more of your text. 65780. It's start one, bench one, bench one, cut one here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Here on 101 ESPN with Chris Kerber sitting in for Randy Carricker, the voice of the Blues. We're going to get to the Blues preseason game last night, but right now it's time for start one, bench one, cut one. So get those texts in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Okay, Kerbs, I have one for you. Yes, ma'am. We were talking last segment about the outfielders. So why don't we do start one, bench one, cut one? Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader, Dylan Carlson. I almost threw that one back at you, to be honest with really? you. I thought, I thought that wouldn't be fair. It's and you, hard. And you just go right at the jugular right off the bat. You can make an argument for all three guys. Um, okay. Start one, bench one, cut one. Uh, my start one is going to be Harrison Bader. Okay. My bench one is going to be Dylan Carlson, and my cut one is going to be Tyler O'Neill. Wow. And my re- be- because there is no good answer for that, by the way. Okay. True. All right. I We just talked about defense can really change an entire team. It can change how you pitch, how you do everything. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean on the defense of Harrison Bader and accept, you know, maybe some of the inconsistency offensively that we hope is getting better. Dylan Carlson I'm benching because I'm going to need him, right? And at 22 years of age, they're still learning and growth in half, so I'm going to have a good all-around player. 
O'Neal, I'm cutting just because that's the name of the game and I have to cut one. Right? He's a gold, he won a gold glove. He won a gold glove in the metric era of gold gloves. I'm, I'm not sure that that wins you a gold glove if people had voted. But that's that's not the point. That, that, part, that one's not the point. The For me, I know he can launch bombs, right? But, but what does he have? Something like 100 and, 130 strikeouts? Like what's what, what's his strikeout total? Like his strikeout rate is, it, and th- this is the old school baseball guy in me. I actually believe that you should be able to put more balls in play. All right, I mean th- th- he's going to strike out probably more times. May have struck out more times already in his career than than Tony Gwynn struck out total. Right in his twenty years. Um, I'll do the math while somebody else is talking here and double check that. But um, but I but that's I t- the name of the game in baseball these days. I know, you know? and that's the baseball I don't like. I, I actually think it's. A, I think I think be, being able to protect a two strike count, not striking out, getting on base. I mean, because keep in mind, you, you got Paul Goldschmidt, right? And you, and you've got Nolan Arenado that have hit the same number of home runs as as Tyler O'Neill. Right, so I, I'm all for putting the look. I don't want to cut the guy. You just guys made me pick one because well, of the game. Okay, see, so that's why I did it. I'm gonna do the reverse of what you did. I'm starting Tyler O'Neill, okay. who I think has been probably the X factor in all of this in this Cardinals run. Tyler O'Neill has been one of the best players in baseball. Period. So I'm starting Tyler O'Neill. All right. I'm going to bench Harrison Bader, who has been on such a hot streak the National League Player of the Week. And I'm going to cut Dylan Carlson, even though I hate to cut D.C., but I think that long-term, he's probably the one that is going to have the most impact on this organization, and I hate to cut him right now. But when the first two guys are National League Player of the Week back-to-back, yep. you got to start and bench them, right? Okay, you ready for this? Okay, I, I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm fair. I Listen, I... I went kind of my old school baseball approach at the plate and with defense. Totally get it. And I completely understand why you went that route. But the Tyler O'Neill stat, okay? Tyler O'Neill has played four years in baseball, okay? 317 strikeouts already. Okay, 164, and thank you, Emily, for that. 164 strikeouts this year in 517 plate appearances. Okay, so a total of 317 strikeouts in his career. Tony Gwynn, in his 20-year career, Tony Gwynn, 434 strikeouts. In his 20-year career, Tony Gwynn never had... Check this out. 40. Okay. Tony Gwynn struck out 40 times once and never again saw the number 40 in the strikeout category. Different approach, right? I'll take the 32 home runs. I'm good with that. Man, I'm taking the 300 hitter, the no (laughs) strikeouts any day of the week. All right. I'm going to take you out of the realm of baseball. I'm going to take you into your own world. Okay. All right. Okay. Having, Having just moved, packing, unpacking, or waiting for a scheduled appointment. Okay. So I am going to start waiting for an appointment because in today's world, you can do a lot of things while you wait. You can send an email. Uh, Well, what if you're waiting for your internet and you don't have it yet? Okay, that is a problem. Okay, just check it. You can use your data. Um, You can make a phone call. You could maybe do some squats or lunges while you're waiting. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do while you're waiting. That doesn't bother me. 
unpacking is not too bad because you're unpacking and you're putting away. You're finding a place for things. Packing is the worst. Packing is the absolute worst. I would cut packing all day. Okay. What about you? Uh, I'm going to, I don't mind packing, so I'll start packing. Um, and I'm going to cut both of the others. I'm not even, I'm not even benching anyone. I, I, I can't stand waiting for an appointment and unpacking. A, I learned, actually, I learned this. If you move when your wife is pregnant and that nesting thing kicks in, you can unpack a house in about three hours. She just takes over. It was, it was one of the craziest. It's like, get out of her it was, way. Honest to God, it was one of the craziest things I'd ever seen. That's but. impressive. Hey, somebody texted in on the text line here real quick. Like, like they're getting on me for comparing for comparing Tyler O'Neill to Tony Wynn. Yeah, that's Look, a tough listen, comparison. Get, get over yourself a little bit here, okay? All right? I'm not comparing the two. I, I'm, I'm saying that there's a difference in an approach at the plate where I don't expect Tyler O'Neill to be Tony Gwynn and, and, and that aspect of things. I, I'm just saying that there's, like, it's a pretty like that is one of the single most amazing things about Tony Gwynn amongst all the other greatness that he had was how little he struck out if you are putting the ball in play and take anybody else that has played the game of baseball that doesn't strike out 164 times and 500 plate appearances all right we're still a week to go in the season take take anybody you're putting the ball in play more things can happen it's it's i'm not comparing the player i'm comparing an approach oh so you're comparing here are tyler o'neill and tony gwen that's what i should take away that's, from that. that's <laughs> yeah that's that's that, that, that's what people hear that's what, when, when you only use the q-tip in one side of your head that's what and then you listen with the side you didn't use the q-tip and yeah you know it sounds kind of cloudy on a tuesday morning let's get to some texts from emily on the air comfort service text line six five seven and oh emily what do you got from the 631 start one bench one cut one the Lars Newt bar catch the Tyler O'Neill eighth inning two run home run or the phone number double play oh okay so what was the second one I was writing these down the Tyler O'Neill eighth inning two run homer oh my gosh this is hard I think I'm going to start the phone number double play because we're never going to see that again I think I'm going to bench the Newt bar catch it was so dramatic, tongue out. He came in cold off the bench. It was unbelievable. And even though it was so clutch at the moment, we've seen a, a lot of big Tyler O'Neill moments lately, so I'm going to cut that one. Okay, can I can I start the guy now that I cut in the last one? That's yeah. That's kind of, all right, so I'm, I'm starting the home run because we needed it at that time. I'm, I'm, benching the, uh, I'm benching the catch. And then I'm uh, and then I'm cutting the double play because we see so many different ways to get a double play. So even if in the rundown you prevented the run and you didn't finish the double play a certain way, we still kept the guy from scoring. So I'll I'll just take the one out if that's all I got out of that. There was an eight in there, Curbs. Harrison I, Bader was involved. Well, that's, that's because Harrison Bader did his job, and you you mean you're taught you come in if you're the center fielder in there, you come in and you get to you get to start playing in the rundown, and <laughs> that's one of the best parts when when there's action in baseball and everybody should be moving around, and you know you'll see you'll see a, a right fielder come in and cover or you know the left fielder cover a bag and you know the the first baseman covering home plate things like that that's those are the fun detailed parts of the game i just like tyler o'neill just standing there with his hat off just laughing i think i I think that's the best part i I think like you should just give me tyler o'neill and any one of these three options the rest of the way through we'll find a way to keep him busy from the 314 start one bench one cut one james neal michael froleek logan brown curbs Okay, well, with where the Blues are right now, 
I'm going to... I'm going to... Start Froelich, because I like his responsibility on the defensive side of the puck. I'm benching Logan Brown, because it's six foot six and not really getting a chance and having dealt with some injuries. I really want to see what a young kid can develop into. In this case, so I'm not giving up on him, which means I'm going to cut the uh, 34-year-old James Neal. Wow. He had an impressive, he did. an I impressive cut, hello. I, I got to cut one. That's the rules of the game. I know. So I, I hate to, cutting one. I, have, I, I know. I, I, I don't like the idea of it. I think James Neal could actually help this team in, in some respects. But based on, based on what we saw, I just, I really think that the the Blues are. James Neal has to play in a top six role, and 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 if you think that he's going to play in that role like like a Mike Hoffman, you know, then you keep him, and you know, and then and then the the. If you if you don't, then you see if he can hook on with another team because I just don't know if you have a spot for him. You're not signing James Neal to play in the bottom six, and I think Mike Rafferty can actually help you in that area. One more, Emily. Sure, you guys you guys will like this one from the six six zero start one bench one cut one classic rock bands the Beatles the Stones the Who. Oh, this one's easy for me. Okay, go ahead. I'm doing it in that order. I'm starting the Beatles. I'm cutting or I'm benching the Stones. I'm cutting the Who. No disrespect, but I'm with you. You got to start. The I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. And, and thank you very much, Emily, for not asking the uh, Joseph uh, Fear Bennington one. That, that's that's I could nice. if you want. No, nope, nope, we're out of time. Time to move on, Michelle. We've got I a new segment coming up. I could do that one. You can do that one. All right, well, which I'm going to start doing? Jordan Bennington because he won a Stanley Cup. And the other two guys, as much as we love them and as amazing as they were, and we have affection for them, only one of those three guys had some of the most unbelievable saves that these eyes have ever seen that allowed the Blues to win their first Stanley Cup in franchise history. So you're going with the recency bias approach. I'm going with the hardware bias. Well, Grant Fuhrer's got four cups. But not here in St. Louis. Okay, so not now, here in now, St. Louis. now it's now it's geographically reason yeah, It's, geog- it's geographical yes. hardware bias. Correct. Okay. That's right. the way that I'm going. So I'm starting Jordan Bennington. Ooh, the other two is really tough. But I think I'm going to bench Cujo just because... I don't know. Growing up, Cujo was kind of my guy, and I love Grant Fuhrer, but I think I'm going to have to cut Grant Fuhrer. So, so we're talking about these guys in its prime, in their prime. Yeah, I mean, it's this is oh, a really tough one. Go. This is a really tough one. They're all and, um, ec- excellent. Uh, I'm not even going there right now. I, I'll just I'll just say this, okay? I'm benching Cujo because at one point in time, down at a bar on the landing, he was sitting next to a place I was playing bubble hockey, and I offered him <laughs> five bucks as a free agent to play goal for me, and he turned me down. Really? And I've told him this story and given him some grief for it. So just because of that, I'll I'll, I'll bench him for for two minutes for bubble hockey. I'll bet, yeah, I offered. He was he was bubble sitting, hockey bias. Honestly, guy, we were sitting there playing bubble hockey, and he was sitting with somebody right next to the table. I'm like, man, that's Curtis Joseph size. I said, hey, you want to play goalie for me? He goes, no. I said, oh, we're going to negotiate. And I said, okay, look, I'm a college kid. You're a free agent. Five bucks, and he and he he, he wouldn't take the free agent contract. I don't blame him. He was probably enjoying <laughs> a cold one with hey, his buddies. I don't either, but that's not the point. <laughs> the, the point was I offered him the, you know, to, to play goalie for me, and he didn't. So I, I, if, if I have to make a choice between those three guys, and Cujo's one of my all-time favorite players and just one of my all-time favorite Greek people, uh, who wrote it. By the way, his background is a spectacular story. We can get into some other time when I'm on with you, but it's a... Uh, 
I'll just I'll hold that grudge just for the sake of this game. Hey, respect. Yeah. You can start, bench, or cut whoever you want. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we didn't even touch the NFL yesterday because we had so much going on with the Blues and, of course, the Cardinals with their 16-game winning streak. So we're going to get into some NFL news and notes coming up next. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman and the voice of the Blues on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber sitting in. We're going to talk about that Blues victory that Emily just discussed coming up at 8 o'clock. But she did okay there, Michelle. She did. She said, like, 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 how mature do we have to be on this show, by the way? Not do, mature I, at all. Can I get... Randy and I, I, Randy I, don't and have, I have, mature. A, have an immature okay. at all times. Well, like, like, okay, so she says Sam Anis, which is spelled A-N-A-S. Mm-hmm. You know, you can imagine all the different things that come out. And, and now well, she, she nearly snorted just trying to say it in, in her Sports Center update. Imagine doing an entire game. And you're like, don't crack the joke. Like, just like you, it is like it was it, it's it was like having to suppress like because we all have an inner whoopee cushion. Right. That, that's my thing. Like like an inner whoopee cushion where you've got that. You just got the, the wrong line every time in the whole game. It's just like, man, keep it in. Don't go there. Don't do it. <laughs> it's interesting that you use whoopee cushion in the conversation about Annas. Just <laughs> see, oh, and now I know the maturity. Hey, speak, speaking of which, we'll, we'll get into a, yeah. a fun quote when it comes to the NFL, yeah, too, won't we? Let's talk about yeah. a little NFL action here. So, Monday Night Football last night, Curbs, the Cowboys defeated the Eagles 41 to 21. Not an awesome night for Jalen Hurts. He completed 25 of 39 passes for 326 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. However, those two interceptions, including a pick six, were pretty detrimental to the Eagles. There. And after the game, Jalen Hurts took the blame. He said, this loss was on me, but that they're going to turn the page quickly. You take you a deuce. You don't, you don't sit there and look at it. You flush it and move on. We're going to flush it and move on. They're going to flush it and move on, Curbs. That's what they're doing. <laughs> you, tell, you channel your inner whoopee cushion. I mean, it's there. That, that's an, but he's right, though. Uh, he's, you, you're hey, flush it and you move on. Well, he gave you an analogy that every single person can relate to. You know? <laughs> so, sp- speaking, like, uh, I'll go off the rails again on you, and I, I destroy your clock every time. Go this, for but, it. Okay, so, I don't know, about a year and a half ago, we, we redid a bathroom, right? And so, okay, the, the, the toilets that were in the bathroom were from, like, the old owner and stuff like that. And, right, the flushing power w- was not that good. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a, a tissue could probably, I think, would, would clog the thing up. So uh, I, I see this, I see a box at, at Lowe's, and it's like, this toilet can flush 12 golf balls. Like and they they've got a picture what? they've got a picture on the box and it's it's a it's a major brand I can't remember what the name of it is I, I don't know if Stand it was Cole or whatever but it literally had twelve like the picture of it had twelve golf balls and I'm sitting here thinking that's quite impressive but why the hell do you need to flush something equivalent to twelve golf balls <laughs> It's the American Standard yeah. ASD Champion Okay listen so I bought it. I mean, if it's good, if it can, if it can haul down twelve golf balls, all right, then you got no worries. That that is now in all four bathrooms in the house, right? 
And as here's what we got here. Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts would have no problem in my house. He'd be able to forget the moment right away. This toilet is an industry leading four and accelerator flush tower and a two and three ace and trapway. And it can flush a bucket of golf balls in a single flush. Also, their ever clean antimicrobial surface inhibits the growth growth of stain and (laughs) and odor causing bacteria on the surface. Uh, Now available for purchase. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It is not sold on Lowe's.com anymore. So it looks like, Curbs, you, many, got, you hey, got it while you needed it. Too many people bought it. One, it, it, it could flush a Mack truck. And two, it like apparently you don't have to clean it. So when I get grief at home, I'm going to clean it because I bought that toilet. Because I... Is that something yeah. you tell people when they come into your home? Hey, we redid the bathroom. And Check out could, the toilet. This could flush. Have you, did you try to flush the golf balls? Because I would have. Okay. If I'm purchasing it, I'm getting a bucket of balls, and I'm going in there, and I'm filming it, and I'm making I, sure that it does, in fact, live up to the billing. I appreciate Jalen Hurts for getting us on this topic. No, I did not, because it's not so much. I'm pretty sure that somehow, that false somehow technically it could. I just don't know where those golf balls will then settle in on the rest of the plumbing. Like, you'd have to be able to get those golf balls from there, and it's got to get all the way out to the to the drainage side of things. That that's That's some traffic. True, but if that's what they're going to promote, I'm going to see if it's real. Uh, that's true, but they said it can flush it. It doesn't say it won't stay in the house somewhere. So I'd like, yeah, yep, no, nope, I. Uh, but but anyhow, uh, Jalen hurts with an analogy that we can all very much relate to. Well, I, I think my favorite thing, real quick, about this segment is that one of our listeners texted in knowing what the toilet was. Saying that's an American standard. Yeah, this guy, this guy just just came in and said that every plumber just winced. I'm not trying to put plumbers out of work. You know, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying that that this is good because apparently if it's antimicrobial, it is okay and and can do things. We put some house cleaning people out of work too. So, and and the, the guy says that was the Kohler Cimarron. I, I don't think so. No, no, it was the American Standard. Well, I just yeah. Google toilet that can flush twelve golf balls, and that's what we got. Yeah. <laughs> So, Cribs, I'm not... <laughs> and that's the sound effect you come up with. That is. That's our tackle sound effect. It... <laughs> that's what we got. That's what we got. So, I was Keep watching going. the Monday Night Football Manning cast last night, and I think it's very entertaining. Yeah, I agree with you. Pey- Peyton and Eli give really good insight. They have amazing guests. I was watching Nick Saban on last night throwing Eli Manning off a tube because he's known to take his players out on the lake and they go tubing and Eli Manning was getting thrown off the tube and they were evaluating his tubing skills but Chris Long joined them in the fourth quarter last night and they were talking about playing in Philly and Eli Manning described I'm trying to think of a delicate word here to describe Philadelphia fans maybe the hostility that you can receive from Eagles fans in Philly here's what he said excited to see you go to Philly I mean you're getting the double bird right away from a nine-year-old kid I would give the bird I don't know can we do that can you I'm sure you can you can blur that out right it's over now yeah. so I mean you're double bird by a nine-year-old and they're saying things about my mom and Peyton and you I can't tell you what they said about mom so they did not blur it out and Eli Manning flips the double bird on national television last night so Max Kellerman on the show that's on before us in the morning played a highlight, and he said, well, that's Steve Levy, as you heard on ESPN Monday Night Football, and I immediately thought, no, nobody heard him anymore. Because I don't cast. know why. Okay, so listen, when it comes to the NFL, I uh, week one, because of the Manning thing, because I'm a huge Peyton Manning fan, um, I 
I watched it and probably watched a quarter and a half, almost the whole second half. That's the most NFL I've watched in in, in one sitting since the since the Rams left. And and, and being just blown out, the integrity of the league is is crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, we don't need to get back I, to the I, I don't buy into all. I don't. <laughs> I don't buy into any of that stuff. Um, you, you know, and and I think you have to b- believe in in the league and believe in some of this to to to, to really enjoy the product. So I haven't gotten over some of that. What has pulled me back in is that I'm actually like like last night I'm like oh we got a game so I have to I have to record this because I I am fascinated with the thought process and how he did it and the fact like in that week one when when um, when Russell Wilson joined him for an entire quarter like it, it was excellent you know so for that sport on the TV and you can do it the way they're doing it I don't know why you'd go back to the old way that that's almost it, what an awesome way to watch the game well two things Eli apologized for the double birds shout out to Chris Long for wearing a St. Louis blue shirt last night he was the best dressed on the Manning cast yep. and I'm sorry to tell you curves that the Mannings are taking a break for the next few weeks they're not back with the Manning cast until week seven that matchup is the Saints and the Seahawks okay so I think and, and one reason to obviously be schedule because it's listen it's a the commitment the commitment to do 16 monday night games it's a lot it takes a lot of work there's there's a lot of prep that goes into it secondly you you continue to do it and it continues to get the notoriety that it does and you're really going to start to cheapen your main product that's true so taking a break from it may not be a bad idea for espn most people i know maybe didn't watch it the entire time but at least have checked out the man cast so you're you are pulling eyeballs away but it's all their product right it's all under the same umbrella that's chris kerber i'm michelle smallman coming up next it's time for a little game of take it or leave it get those texts into the air comfort service text line 65780 tioli is next on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman is here. That's me. Randy Carriker is not. He's on vacation. I think he's playing a little golf today. So Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN is filling in for Randy. We're going to talk about the blues victory over the stars. They won two to one in overtime last night. We're going to talk about that next segment. But right now it is time for take it or leave it. So Kerbs, Leo Collins of the Dallas Cowboys. He's their right tackle. He was suspended because he had a positive marijuana test under the NFL's collective bargaining agreement. But he also got in trouble because he tried to bribe the league's drug test collector. (laughs) Take it or leave it. He should get double suspended for that. Oh, well, is true. Okay, the one, the marijuana thing, breaks the rules of the CBA that your union agreed to. So whether you like it or not, don't gripe about it. Follow the rules. I don't know if the CBA has anything to do, uh, mentions at all, bribing the guy. So I'm going to leave it and say he just gets the marijuana suspension. If you're going to suspend him for marijuana use in today's age, uh, because it's against the rules, if bribing isn't listed in there, then and maybe it is. But if I'm going to assume it's not just for the sake of this game. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it then. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm taking him off the hook for creativity. I wonder what the bribe was. Now that's a good go. Clearly not good enough. <laughs> Clearly not good enough. <laughs> you know what? I don't suspend him for the bribery. I suspend him for the stupidity of trying it. Thinking you can get away with it. 
If it was good enough, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I mean, because clearly then somebody went and had to report that he bribed him. So, he, I mean, he, he look, we're not we're not dealing with, you know, a deep thinker here. That's the, that 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 would that would be true. Nope, I, I leave it. I'll leave it. All right, uh, Michelle, take it or leave it. The St. Louis Blues will win the Central Division this year. Ooh, that's a good one. Let me think about that. They're definitely, you know what? I'm going to leave it. Okay. You're going to keep, you're going to keep probably Colorado at the top. Colorado at the top. I can see that. Even though I think the Blues are going to be better this year, Colorado is still so lethal. I think, I think the Blues are going to open some eyes. Are you taking it? I, I look at that division, the way it's setting up right now, and yeah, if I'm going to Vegas, I'm putting my money on the Blues to win the division. Really? Yeah. I'm tell- I think the loss of Saad and Donskoy um, and Graves for Colorado. Well, Saad, Donskoy, Graves, and Grubauer for Colorado. For a team that was just knocking on the door in the last two years has had a hard time getting out of the second round. That's some real depth that, that they lost. And so to me... To me, I think that's going to impact this a little bit. So, yeah, I will I will take it. Still have Landis Gog, still have McKinnon. Yes, they do. And and I know Eric Johnson's back, but I don't know if Eric Johnson can sit there and, and, and be healthy enough. So, you know, when I I I think that they took a, sh- a hit to their depth a little bit, and they're going to have some challenges kind of filling that. I, I think they I really think Colorado came back to the pack a little bit. Let's get to some text on the Air Comfort Service text line. You can get yours in right now, 65780. Emily, what do you have for us? From the 573, take it or leave it, the Cardinals will not know their wild card opponent until the final day of the season. You know what? I might take that. I think we we may see one more game, Dodgers-Giants. I hope that you're exactly right. I'm going to leave it, and the only reason I'm going to leave it is because while L.A. is playing three games against San Diego to start this week, and then follows three games with Milwaukee. San Francisco has their first three games this week against Arizona. So I'm 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 kind of thinking there's a chance that there's a chance that that San Francisco could lock that up before we get to that. So I'll leave it. Think about how unbelievably talented the Dodgers are and how great the Giants have been this season. And one of those teams is going to have to play a Cardinals team who's the hottest team in baseball and could yep. potentially get knocked out. You know, and that's the I mean, even when people still to this day bemoan the wild card and all, could you imagine just how boring the season would be for a group of teams if that wild card wasn't in there? And now you would have you you would have the epic pennant race between the Dodgers and the Giants, two great rivals, you know, which is still there. Like that still actually exists, and we can enjoy that race. But yeah, that's going to be tough. You're going to be a hundred win team. That's You're right. going to be a hundred win team, right? Yeah, and have to play a one game playoff. The Dodgers are 156. The Giants 102 and 54. Yeah, a hundred game team, and you have to play a team. That had a 16, maybe more, game win streak. That's hot. That is hot, 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 hot. Yep. From the 636, take it or leave it, the Cards would be better off losing now to keep our egos in check for the postseason. You know what? I was texting with Emily about this last night, Curbs. I do want them to lose one game before the the play the play in game or the one game playoff, we should say, because that's a lot of pressure heading into a do or die situation. Maybe in the final series versus the Cubs, they lose a game. 
I'm not saying they should lose a ton. Let's keep the streak going as long as possible. But I do think it might be beneficial just from a pressure relief standpoint to get at least one L before you face the Dodgers. Well, considering Which, I think it's going to yeah. be the Dodgers. Considering like only 31 teams have had a streak of this long or longer since like 1880, you're starting to get into where the odds say it's it's coming, right? And and it's all likelihood it's probably going to come because if you can get the win tonight uh, and and clinch the division, uh, then you have the ability to set yourself up, rest some guys, do whatever you need to do to set yourself up, give yourself the best chance to win a week from tomorrow. So, um, but but here's why I'm going to leave it. Here's why I'm going to leave it. I, I think this team's feeling it, and I want to see them just win, 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 win. So I, I don't, I'm not going to go into the too much of the, the the psychoanalysis side of it. So just 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 keep winning. Just win, baby, as Randy says. Listen, we've already seen something special, and I really think that they're going to, you know, that that do-or-die game is going to put its own natural pressure on it. So I, let's just win and see if see if maybe you can start knocking on the door of of an all-time record. Let's get one more, Emily, from the. 913, take it or leave it. The Manning version of the game will end up being like what the office was for network TV. Sports TV will never be the same. Oh, interesting. Well, we've seen megacast before. We've seen them on the national championship game. We've seen a version of this before. It just doesn't have the star power that the Manning cast does. Because not only are the people, well, I don't know. During the national championship, the mega cast has a lot of big names. This is just consistent star power. You know you're at least getting two unbelievable stars in Peyton and Eli, plus the four people that they bring in every week. That's a rotating cast. So I want to leave it just because we've seen a version of this before and because it's fun now. But I think over time, once you get used to it, a lot of people might go back to the traditional play-by-play. Um, I want to leave it because I don't want to see traditional play-by-play for selfish reasons go by the wayside. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to take it because I just think that as you try to create new ways and 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 audiences are getting fractured and there's so much so many different things to grab their attention that that football remains the best TV sport because of its pace and how you can talk during it and and what it does and and I think that there's room for this and I think that there's like cuz essentially what Peyton Manning is doing and Eli are doing throughout the whole game it's what Tony Romo is doing as a color analyst yeah right and that's what now you know there's stri- these other networks are trying to find their own Tony Romo for that so I, I'm going to take it and and say that it's actually become more of a regular thing but I'll tell you I was watching last night and I very much enjoyed it but I did miss the play-by-play aspect of it because they're talking throughout right and sometimes they have to interrupt one another to then ask for analysis from their guest or from Payton would ask Eli and I find myself listening to what they're talking about and not watching the game so I would I guess where I would agree with you on that is if the quality of the play-by-play guy is there good if we're getting to some of the play-by-play teams that are just not as strong, I'll just watch it. I'll <laughs> watch Peyton. Yep. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next, the Blues de- defeated the Stars 2-1 to one in overtime last night. A little preseason action. Chris Kerber was there, of course, calling the game. And he's going to tell us his observations from that matchup. That's next. So keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> 
Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Randy Carriker is out today, so we have the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber, sitting in with us for the entire show, which is beneficial for all of us because the Blues defeated the Stars 2-1 in overtime last night, some preseason hockey action. And Chris Kerber was there. He had eyes on the ice. So, Kerbs, tell us your observations from the Blues in this game versus the Stars. I liked a lot of what I saw last night. Um, The the Blues put a line together with... uh, with Kairou along with O'Reilly and Perron. And Jake Neighbors got an opportunity to play with Shen and Buchnevich, which I think is a great thing for him. Uh, Neighbors and Perunovich both played in game one. They played in game two. They're, they're going to get a lot of looks to show what they can do here, here this year. Now, they played against the Dallas Stars team, where really one of the most experienced players the Stars brought beside the goaltender, Braden Holpe, happened to be Les Perrons, who hasn't played a ton yet. So they brought some of their younger prospects. They brought a lot of their high draft picks, actually. So from that standpoint, you weren't looking at real strong NHL-level competition. But I thought overall the, the Blues played well. I thought the, the Perron, O'Reilly, Kyrie line kind of toyed with, with them a little bit just because of the the inexperience. But Pavel Buchnevich looked, I, I thought, really good. You saw smart play in the defensive zone, strong play in the offensive zone. And, and Michelle, what the St. Louis Blues did this summer is they essentially replaced Sanford and Blay with Saad and Butchnevich. Mm-hmm. Two guys that are trying to figure out, do you play in a second or a third line left wing role, right? And now you know who those two guys are. So um, they, they looked they looked pretty good. Tori Krug saw his first action of the year. He looked pretty solid to Jordan Bennington. Good in one period. Joel Hofer only faced 11 shots in the second and the third period that he played. And, and they looked, I really thought that... Uh, I didn't think anybody did themselves a real disservice last night. You know, Nathan Walker, you know, a bubble guy that you you know you can call up. Sam Annis at 28 years of age, another bubble guy you can call up if you need something. He hasn't seen any NHL action yet in his regular season career. But I, I thought all in all, they, they looked uh, pretty good and pretty solid in that game. Now, Craig Berube wanted to see fewer two-on-ones, but eh, for a lot of guys, game one of a preseason, you're going to see some errors like that. You mentioned Jake Neighbors. He's only 19. He's very young. We actually got this as a take it or leave it last segment from the 314. Take it or leave it. Jake Neighbors has a legitimate shot at making the Blues opening night roster. I'm, I'm going to take it. And by roster, I don't know if he'll be in the lineup that night, but I, I, I'm going to take it because he's going to get every chance. He may play six of these eight preseason games. And I thought he looked okay in, in game number one. And in that game, I believe uh, I'd have to pull up my notes. I can't remember exactly. Uh, you know, he was he was playing, I think, with, with um, no, it wasn't James. Neal. I'll, I'll pull up the line. But anyway, I like the fact that he got in the second game. He got put with Braden Shen and Butch Nevich, two very responsible players. And he looked good. He drove the net. He parked in front of the net in practice yesterday. As everybody was leaving the ice, he, he was out in front, and he, he was still taking shots in front of the net. There's wow. a work ethic to him. And here's the, here's the one intriguing thing about Jake Neighbors. He's played four years of junior hockey, and he's 19. He turns 20 next March. You cannot send a North American player to the American Hockey League if they're not 20. You can do it with European players. It's the way that the, the leagues have agreed to help protect the junior system so you're not just calling kids out of juniors and, and turn them pro. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know how much more Jake benefits in junior hockey versus turning pro. He'd benefit I think by going to play for Drew Bannister in Springfield. And and I don't that's not 
but he can't because of the age. So he's one of these guys that I think has an actual chance of breaking camp, and then they've got a window to play where he can play, stay with the team, and, and if they don't play him for more than 10 days, then then it doesn't burn one of his years of eligibility. So um, I... I, I, he's going to get every chance, and, and and I like what I've seen so far. And there is a hole on that side that he could potentially fill. So I I like what we've seen for him in so, so far through two games. After the Blues' 2-1 victory in overtime, Craig Berube, the Blues head coach, talked about what he's seen from Jake Neighbors. Well, he's just smart, for one. He's a, got a head, real good head. You know, he's he's like a you know dog on a bone. He, he gets after the puck. He's strong on it. He gets after it. He knows how to get it from people. Um, then he's strong when he gets it. And he's around the net a lot. You know, he 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 know he has a nose for the net. Um, he gets in those little areas, and that's where he gets his opportunities and scores. But um, again, I really like his hockey sense and his uh, work ethic. And that's that is what. The Blues liked with him when they drafted him 26 overall. His offense is decent. Two years ago in juniors, he had he had 70 points, you know, and and then still even 33 points in 19 games in junior hockey. So he's not overly big. He's six foot tall, Michelle, but he's uh, he's got that gumption factor to battle for the puck, to There's stay on to the puck, there, right? to hold on to the puck, to be a puck hound. And that is in Craig Berube's style of play, in winning playoff style of play with some offensive sense you need that. He fired a couple of shots at the net. And so when I look at how Doug Armstrong has kind of revamped this team this year, as he said yesterday on the fast lane, we're big again. He brought some size back up front that he feels is really key. And uh, and and Jake Neighbors at six foot and, and, you know, close to 200, 205 now, but having worked out a little bit, I, I, he, he could fill that role there too. So, I, again, 19 years of age. We've seen guys do it. We've seen Robert Thomas do it. We've seen David Perron do it. We've seen plenty of guys do it. Um, it's just can he can he survive it and now what we what we'll see with him Michelle is whether or not you know let's get him into a game where you, when you're going into the corner in that game right and and you're playing some defense when you haven't really heard of that's one thing now he may have he's playing some guys more his age what are you doing when it's when it's Miro Haskinen coming in on you? What are you doing when it's Eric Johnson trying to bang you? What are you, what are you doing when it's you know when it's when it's John Klingberg, you know, or, or some of these other guys around the league, or Seth Jones in Chicago, right, and Roman Yossi in Nashville? When they're banging on you, that's a different beast. So we'll see what happens as camp goes on and he plays against more NHL level competition. The Blues play the Blue Jackets. That is tomorrow night. You can listen here on 101 ESPN with pregame starting at 5 p.m. Curbs, what are you looking for in that game? I'm frankly just looking forward to seeing a game in another building for the first time since March of 2020. Oh, that's right. So we are we're traveling. So I'm, I'm actually honest to goodness that is that is what I'm looking forward to the most. I haven't seen the lineup yet uh, to to know who's actually going. So just continuation when you when you watch these games, you just want to see the smart play and the team game. You know, continue. Put the puck in the right areas. Make the right decisions. For some of the young guys, it's not always about scoring goals and assists and all that. But it's are you making right decisions? Are you getting to the right side of the puck defensively? And those are the things that, that, that catches coach's eye and gives you a chance. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. More hockey talk on the way. We are going to talk to former NHL referee Tim Peel. He's coming up next, so keep it here on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
It's Character and Smallman on this Tuesday on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman and the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber. And let's talk a little bit more hockey and head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. We're, we are going to be joined by former NHL referee and contributor at DailyFaceOff.com. Tim Peel is with us. Good morning, Tim. Thank you for taking the time to join us. How are you? Oh, good, mo- good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Kerb. It's always good, to, always good to talk to you guys. But, Michelle, before we get going, I've got I to gotta say one thing. I'm a huge fan of yours, and your back has to be sore at the end of every broadcast because you carry Carragher, okay? <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't if it wasn't for you, he would be nothing. Okay, tell him I said that. Uh, thank and you, Tim. You also tell him. You also tell him I want to run at him on that 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 uh, uh, the fight thing he does. Yeah, the fight exactly. You nuts. Thinks, oh. thinks, yeah. He, no, he thinks he's smarter than everybody else, and I want to take a run at him sometime. He, he is. Hey. I'm just telling well, you, is. I interned he for the guy. He's, he's crazy. When we were actually trying to take our math grade seriously in school, you know, he had the book out and behind it was like a sports almanac. I know. The guy's incredible. He it's, really is. It's, it's crazy. And then these two keep throwing me in the fight That's when I come right. in. Here. It's well, a, Tim. I, lose, I lose sleep over that thing. Hey, you must like uh, this media thing is, is, is tough, right? I mean, you got to get up in the morning for interviews and things. <laughs> yeah, no, Curves. I'm really looking forward to it. I, uh, in fact, like two or three years before I retired, Tisha said to me, she goes, you need to get into media when you, when you, uh, when you retire. She goes, you know, I think you'd be good at it. And we'll, 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 we'll wait and see whether I am or not. But it's something that I've always enjoyed. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to new, a new challenge. And I'm, I'm excited about it all. You're going to be great, Tim. And thank you for the kind words. Your check is in the mail. And I'm going to hold you to the fight. You need to, we need to have a Tim versus Randy fight one of these days. Um, but I, okay. I did want to ask you, Tim, about cross-checking. So there's a crackdown that's coming in the NHL, and there, there hasn't been any actual changes to the rule book for this upcoming season, but there's been some tweaks. So can you explain to hockey fans out there what to expect as far as cross-checking is concerned in the NHL this season? Sure. So it, it happens every – everyone says, well, you've got the rule book, just call the rule book, and, and it, you know, it, it, it's there for a reason. And what happens, though – and it's happened over the evolution of hockey for the past 75 years, is we have the rule book, but there are going to be times, whether it's two years or three years or whatever, where a rule just deteriorates and and not on purpose, but it slowly erodes to, to the point where the GMs, the coaches, the PA, a couple of our referees get together in the summer and say, okay, where are some areas that we think we can improve officiating in the NHL? And I think everybody realizes, you know, the one that stuck, stuck out a lot this year was the was the uh, Islander player, was it Mayfield Curbs? Yeah, it was Scotty Mayfield. Mayfield. Yep. Scotty Mayfield. Good good Kirkwood Rocket guy, right? Yep. And, and Scotty cross-checked Kucherov. Now, in defense of the official, I've been on the ice, and, and that official happened to be, you know, 10 feet from the play. Sometimes it doesn't look that bad when you're on the ice. It just doesn't. Sometimes it just does not look as, as bad as it is. Then you show the replay, then you show the replay again, then you show it again, and everyone goes, oh, my goodness, how did he miss that call? But at the time, when you're in the heat of the action and bodies are flying and pucks are flying and sticks are flying, and, and sometimes it's, it's crazy as a referee, but sometimes you're too close to the play. 
sometimes you're too close. And I know that may, might not make sense to a lot of people, but quite often when I was refereeing, if I was in the neutral zone and I saw something happen down in the end zone, I could take a split second, digest it, throw my arm up, not late, but, you know, later than you would if you were if you were right in the heat of the action. And so as far as the cross-checking, they're not really changing. They're not changing the rule. They're just making our guys or asking our guys to be a little bit more diligent when it comes to calling cross-checks this year. And you see it on the, on the boards where a guy's given a, uh, another player, you know, one, two, three, you know, three little cross-checks. Well, sometimes three little cross-checks add, adds up to two minutes. You know, maybe the first one wasn't a penalty. Maybe the second one wasn't a penalty. But now we got three in a row, little cross-checks. You know what? They add up to two minutes. So I think our, at the end of the day, what the league wants and what our referees want is to protect the players and pro- provide a safe environment for them to play in. And that was always my job is make it fair, make it fair for both teams, but also make it a safe playing environment for the players. So I think that that's all the league is trying to do is, you know what, there's, there's always areas that we can improve in. I remember a few years ago, we had a crackdown on slashing curbs and, and you probably remember that. And I don't know when it started to kind of erode. It might have been a season or two. I, I, I don't know the time frame, but we got together again in the summer and said, you know what, we need to crack down on slashing a little bit. You know, guys are getting fingers broken, things like that. So there's always times throughout, you know, the evolution of hockey over the last 75 years where the league's going to sit down and go, where can we improve uh, different areas? Yeah, but Tim, let me... But but here's 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 my worry. I watched the video that the league put out on this, and and I looked at every example. They go, I go, well, that's a cross check, and and every one you legitimately go, yeah, that that should be a penalty, um, because they took the obvious ones. My worry, and much like the the slashing, the slashing calls got so ticky tack that if you tap a guy's stick with a downward motion, some guys were calling slash. And it wasn't always on the hands and things. You're like, ah. Like, you know, and, right. and some fans are worrying, hey, are we taking too much of the battle out? Now look, the, like I've always wondered why more calls haven't happened with the cross check when you're when they're constantly pounding on the back of a guy's legs or a back of a guy's, you know, you know, just above the butt kind of thing. So I get right. that, but that's where you, we gotta be a little careful, isn't it? Like like let's not because and let's face it, there's some young young officials in a league that haven't that haven't grown to the experience level of being able to choose a difference where it gets a little too ticky tack and, and, and impacts the game. There there will be a learning curve. There will be a feeling out process and that's that's the good thing about having exhibition games uh, where our guys can get comfortable with the standard that the NHL wants us wants them to call. And there'll be a, uh, I remember exactly like you said, when we brought in the new rules after the lockout uh, in 0405. And man, there were a lot of penalties because it was a learning curve for us, but it was also a learning curve for the players, for them to understand what they could and could not get away with. And I said this on, on Daily Faceoff yesterday. I, I said, our players are the reason that these rules every time we institute something, why they work, because they are the smartest athletes. They know there will be a learning curve for them, but after a while, they will understand this is what I can do and this is what I can't do. Are you going to get a couple cross-checking penalties curves that you look at and go, man, that's not much? Probably. 
it's it's you know the referees are human they may see it you know they're at an angle uh and and it looks worse than it is there's no doubt that that's going to happen but it's also very easy for uh the media for fans to watch a play on tv and go man that wasn't much well they're watching it in slow-mo they're watching it from way up and above and that's not realistic. That's not how our officials officiate. They fish, officiate in real time on at ice level, trying to look through bodies, trying to get in the best possible sight lines as they can. And do mistakes get made? Absolutely. But it'll be a learning curve. But I know our officials are the best officials in the world, and they'll, they'll nail it. Tim, with all that being said, you're right. We're sitting at home. We have a completely different vantage point. We have several angles. We have slow-mo. We have replay that you guys don't have down on the ice. So in the moment when you're down on the ice, what's the hardest call to make? Wait, I know the answer to this one, Tim. <laughs> okay. A good one. It should be good. A, a good, good one. one. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, um, I couldn't help myself. I had to welcome you to the media the right way there, buddy. <laughs> Michelle gave you a softball. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't – that's a great – I've never been asked that question, Michelle. I don't, I don't think there is one particular penalty that's, that's the toughest. You know, you could say, well, a penalty shot, but no penalty shots are something that normally everybody in the building can see because it's a guy on a breakaway. Um, hooking the hands, uh, you know, trips pretty – I don't think there's any – well, actually, that's actually now that you – uh, hit, a legal hit to the head would be the toughest call. Mm-hmm. A legal hit to the head. I don't know why I didn't think of that sooner. Because in real time, and Chris will tell you, and 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 anybody that's involved in, in hockey and watches a lot of hockey, when you watch the hit in real time, you can't tell whether he made 100. You cannot t- tell. Your human eye cannot tell that he 100% made, the, made direct contact with his head. Then you watch the replay, and you're like, ooh, like he actually got him a little bit in the chest, but the principal point of contact was his head. And that's why our officials are able to review that play now because we've had a couple over the last couple of years where maybe it was called and it wasn't uh, a major penalty and, and other you know teams scored on the power play. Or they were missed, and it, it took away an opportunity for that team to have a five-minute penalty. So they instituted that last year uh, where we can review all five-minute major penalties. Yeah, and you know what we Which saw in Game thing. 4? In Game 4 between the Blues and Colorado last year, I thought Wes McCauley had one of the best situational officiating moments I had seen in a while. There was a high stick. And I know this isn't quite the illegal check to the head, but this is the review part. If he just calls a high stick, you can't review it, which I've, you know, but if he, he if, but if he, if they call a double minor for a high stick, correct, you can review it. And then if you realize it wasn't a high stick, you can actually eliminate it. So you can take it away. Correct. So he actually knowing where the game was, the time of the game, the importance of the game and the situation, he calls a double minor for high sticking, uh-huh. right? Which allowed him to at least review it to see if it was clearly a high stick. And then it was. The Blues did go to the penalty box. But it gave him the opportunity to actually rescind the penalty altogether. And, well, and I thought it was an absolutely brilliant play by Wes McCauley to use and, review that way. And, and that's why refs, Wes is the ref, best ref in the league. He's worked the last you know, nine, ten Stanley Cup finals because he was smart enough to realize 
hey, I've got tools in my toolbox here. I've got to utilize them. And this is an opportunity where I can, exactly like you said, make this call and get the opportunity yep. to review it. Yep. That's Tim Peel, former NHL referee. He's a contributor at dailyfaceoff.com. Be sure to read his great work. And you can follow him on Twitter at TimCPeel20. Tim, great information. Thanks for taking the time to join us. And I'm going to hold you to you you and Randy fighting. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't wait. You guys have a great day, and thanks for having me on. Good to see you. Good to talk to you, Curbs. Good talking to you, too, Timmy. And congratulations on the uh, Daily Faceoff stuff. We'll look forward to following you. you, bud. Thank you. Take care. All right, that's Tim Peel. Again, great information there about a lot of the rules in the NHL. And a lot of stuff that I think fans are curious about or don't know a lot of nuance about. So that was great information from Tim. All right, well, coming up next, it's 830, so that means it's time for the fight. Keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Carriker and Smallman. It's Karagrin Smallman on 101 ESPN, and it's time for the fight. John is with us again. Yesterday, John defeated Kerber. Two days prior, or two fights prior, he had beaten Randy twice. And I believe he got three and four correct. So John knows his stuff. But once you get into the Hall of Fame, the rules change. You're on the same level as Megamind, a.k.a. Randy Carriker, which means... You only get one lifeline. You don't get all the options. This is when we determine how close to Megamind our Hall of Famers really are. So John is with us again. Good morning, John. Good morning, Michelle. Are you ready to take this fight Randy style? Yes, I am. It'll be a little more challenging, but I'm ready. I think I have faith in you. And you're going against Kerbs today. So, uh, and let's see, we've got two hockey questions, a baseball Uh question, and we have a boxing question today. So oh, wow. we're all over the board. Um, John, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Question number one for the Hall of Famer, John. Happy 59th birthday to Hockey Hall of Famer, a fellow Hall of Famer, John, and former Blue Grant Fuhr. Which team drafted Fuhr eighth overall in the 1981 NHL entry draft? Oh, boy. Um... I think I want to save the lifeline, but I do not know this. So let's go with Louis Blues. Adam Wainwright gets the ball for the Cardinals tonight against the Brewers. Wayno earned his 2,000th career strikeout last Thursday, also against the Brewers. Who did he strike out for his 1,000th career strikeout in 2013? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's harder. It's harder to do it Randy style. It sure is. Um, 2013, let's go with uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Okay. I'm writing down what you wrote, John. Okay, question number three. Who's won the most Vezina trophies since 1981 when the current criteria was introduced? Let's uh, take the lifeline there. Okay. Is it Martin Brodora, Patrick Waugh, or Dominic Hasek? Um, 
Let's go, Patrick Waugh. And final question, who was the first boxer to beat Muhammad Ali? Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Much harder this way. It's a um, Hall of Fame fight, my friend. <laughs> was it Buster Douglas? That's my guess. I don't know. All right. We're checking our score. We're waving Chris Kerber in. John, the floor is yours. Your thoughts? Oh, man, that was not my best showing. <laughs> Definitely much tougher. I could have used some more baseball questions today, but, right. you know, I've at? had my fun. I understand. It's kind of a, a shocking moment. It's almost like going into the <laughs> deep end once you have to take it Randy style. Curbs, please say good morning to our Hall of Famer. John is with us. Hi, John. Congratulations. Did you sleep last night? Did you pound some bubbly? And uh, do you have a headache? The curbs, yes. You betcha. I sure did. <laughs> uh, good. All right. So this is all Randy style. So we get no Randy's. help. So you get one lifeline. I get one lifeline. How many total questions? There are four questions, one lifeline. Right, let's go. All right. Question number one for Chris Kerber. Happy 59th birthday to Hockey Hall of Famer and former Blue Grant Fior. Which team drafted Fior eighth overall in the 1981 NHL entry draft? Uh, Did he start? Well, I just, I want to say Edmonton, Um, but I don't remember actually. Yeah, because they came actually. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going with Edmonton. Okay. Okay. Adam Wainwright gets the ball for the Cardinals today against the Brewers. Wayno earned his 2,000th career strikeout last Thursday, also against the Brewers. Who did he strike out for his 1,000th career strikeout in 2013? Oh, come on. Are you serious? You can have one lifeline. I, These are very, uh, very hard questions today. Yeah. <laughs> um, Just to make everyone oh, feel better. I would, oh, I would know none jeepers. of these. <laughs> yeah, who would? They, Randy wouldn't know. Well, you know what? Never mind. Randy might know that. He would um, go, I was at the California Pizza Kitchen with my family. He did that one time. Yeah, and I was watching that game, and I remember because I got an olive stuck in my throat, but I looked up and just happened to see the graphic. Um, Okay, I'll I'll use my lifeline on this one. Your options are David Wright, Chase Utley, Freddie Freeman. Ooh. You know what? That's not going Freddie Freeman. Uh, I'll uh, I'll go David Wright. Question number three for you, Curbs. Who has won the most Vezina trophies since 1981 when the current criteria was introduced? Who has won the most Vezina trophies since 1981? Correct. Ah. <laughs> Jeez. Um. Oh, golly. Holy moly. Uh. Boy, Hashik. Uh, there are some real good ones. Brodeur, Hashik, Fuhr. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with. Uh, oh my God! I forgot Patrick Waz in there. <laughs> Holy moly! Uh, I'll go Patrick Waz. And who was the first boxer to beat Muhammad Ali? Um, Frazier? Yeah, I'll go with that. 
Okay. But did I, I didn't say that with enough confidence? The fact that I answered with a question? I can't, I can't answer. I, have, I, don't, I don't know. When you say Frasier? I'm going with that. Okay. Is that your answer? Yeah, that's my answer. Is it Chris Kerber or does John <laughs> extend the streak? Does John the Hall of Famer extend the streak? Yeah. Emily, let him know. The winner and still champion of the fight. Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. But I win one nothing? You won <laughs> three to nothing. Really? Oh, I got boy. three of those? And you were very close on the one you got wrong. Uh, hey, John, nothing. man, congratulations, though, bud. That, that's a heck of a run, and a streak should never be ended by me. So <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. yeah, that was definitely a lot tougher. So, congrats, Curbs. But yeah, this has been a blast. Thanks, guys. You got it, John. You're still a Hall of Famer. Let's run through the answers. So, the Edmonton Oilers drafted Grant Fuhr eighth overall in the 1981 NHL entry draft. Adam Wainwright's 1,000th strikeout of his career happened in 2013, and on the other side of the ball was David Wright of the Mets. Timing made sense on that guess. Dominic Hushik won the most Vezina oh. trophy since 1981. Six times with the Sabres between 93 and yeah. 2001. I thought you had that one too, Kurt. He was the first guy I said, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was. It mm. was. Talked myself out of it. I know, but there was a lot of good options, yeah. as you mentioned. And the three options had you gotten the lifeline were Brodeur, Wah, and Hushik. So, okay. could have tripped you up either way. Yep. And it was Smokin' Joe Frazier who beat Muhammad Ali, the first boxer to defeat Muhammad Ali, March 8th, 1971. John, thanks again for playing. Congratulations. You are always a Hall of Famer and your information and your picture and everything is going to be up on our website, 101ESPN.com so thanks for playing. Thanks so much guys, I appreciate it. All right, that is That's John. a heck of a run by John's part. The Hall of Famer but Curbs, I, listen, three of four almost four correct? Randy character style. I am impressed. Yeah, I, I, I'm i not going to be insensitive and in say I'm comparing this to giving birth but I'm telling you I stress out over questions like that. Well, I would imagine bringing life into the world might be a little more stressful that's, than answering that's, sports that's, trivia competition. Yeah, but I'm a guy, and so, you know, what do I know? <laughs> However, still impressive. I can, I can, I, I can say could, that. I can say that. I can say that and right. apologize later. You've got, you could have gotten all four right, Randy I know. Style. I talked myself out of it. That is I talked myself work. out of it. Good work. Thank you very much. All right. Well, that was the fight here on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we are going to talk about this unbelievable Cardinal streak, 16 games in a row. It's our friend Mike Claiborne. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman and Chris Kerber, who's sitting in for Randy Carriker. And let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. It's our weekly visit with the great Mike Claiborne. Claibs, what's going on? How you doing? All is good. All is good. I have no complaints. Woke up this morning. That's a good start. <laughs> Tommy McVee, an old coach. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember Tommy. Yeah, he... New Jersey, yeah, he's in the New Jersey organization for a long time. That's yeah. right. He, he got a job when I was working in the minors. He got a job coaching the Providence Bruins, and we were his first opponent. He, he, it was the first time back in coaching for him for a while. And I asked him, I said, are you glad to be back in coaching? He goes, any day, I'm not six feet under, I'm happy. I went, yeah, <laughs> okay, that's a good attitude to have. <laughs> he was a beauty, man. I remember, I remember him. I, I first got into business and... 
you know, he can, he was one of those. You know what? He was a, a a New Jersey or East Coast version of Bobby Plager. You know, he always had something interesting to say. That's right. Uh, he was a, he was a beauty, man. Well, uh, Claves, not only are we breathing, we are breathing in a time where we've watched the Cardinals win 16 games in a row. And you've seen some amazing things in your time covering sports. Try to describe how unexpected or or fun this Cardinals winning streak has been. Well, you know, um, and I've been asked that question, and the only thing I can come up with is when Kurt Warner took over for the Rams because it was, you know, when when Trent – Green went down. Everybody was like, oh, woe is us. What are we going to do? And Vermeil was very confident in Kurt Warner, a guy we've not seen before. And then all of a sudden, here's this thing called the greatest show on turf <laughs> that we watched. And every game, they would do something. And you'd look at the guy next to you or the woman next to you and say, what the hell just happened? <laughs> And, you know, you, you would just kind of shake your head because you'd never seen it before, and, and it was so regular. In this situation, it, it's similar because every day somebody does something different. And, and Curbs, you wouldn't know what this is like when the Blues got on that run. Right. And every night it was somebody different that was going to do something special. And it seemed like the better they got, the harder the, the harder they worked, the better they got. They didn't take a day off. They didn't miss out on a workout or drills or anything like that. And it was very workmanlike is what we see on a regular basis. So I, I think I would look at the Rams and the Blues and when they had their run, those are similar things that I haven't seen. I hadn't seen before and haven't seen since. Claves, how has Arenado and Goldschmidt and that part of the order clicking at the same time helped the rest of the order with their offense. Well, first of all, Curse, great to see you last night. It was man. awesome uh, seeing you, game. Yeah, and we got to talk some hockey before we get out of here because I, I have some questions for you. But, you know, when they made the change in the lineup and dropped Arenado fourth, things started to kind of click because, you know, they trusted O'Neal in that situation, and, you know, he started to really flourish. And, and you know, I, I think that those two guys who had been on teams – uh, Goldschmidt had been on a 14-in-a-row win team. Arnado had never really experienced this sort of consistency. And they just kind of feed off each other because they're both very instinctful players. Uh, you don't have to do a lot of coaching with them. They already kind of know what they need to do. And uh, it just seemed like they, they they look at each other from each side of the diamond and just kind of nod their head like, yeah, this is supposed to be like yeah, this is cool. And uh, they're having their own game. And, and they're different guys in a way because, you know, Arnado's a very friendly, uh, outgoing guy, but he's private in his own sense. Goldschmidt doesn't have a lot to say, but when he does say it, he's very he's very courteous. I see him working kids all the time and just being very kind and, and thoughtful to kids. Uh, he, he, he never says no to the media. He may not have a lot to say, but he's always uh, a guy that you can appreciate his professionalism. Clibs, I'm very curious about this, and you're so plugged in. You're at the ballpark all the time. You know what's going on in the clubhouse. The offense in general, as as Curbs mentioned, is clicking. When I watch this team right now, and I'm watching them put up eight runs and 12 runs, I cannot believe that this is the same offense that we watched in June and parts of July and even parts of August. What has been the difference? Is it that the high-level curriculum has finally clicked in? Did they adjust something or maybe pull back on analytics? What's been the difference in the offense? 
Yeah, it's a good, good question, Michelle. And I think pulling back on the analytics is one. Uh, the second thing is they make bad pitching pay. They make them pay. I mean, they just lit up the Cubs, you know, when we faced them. And they beaten some other teams who maybe didn't have their best guys on the mound. And they make them pay. Uh, but I really think that what they've also done is just said, hey, let's just go play. You know, the analytics, we, we already know this. We got it, okay? Let's just go out and play and, and show people and show yourself this is the reason why you're here is because you can actually play. Um, the, the analytics in sports is something that is helpful, but I think it makes some people's head uh, explode because maybe there's an overload. At some point, managers and coaches have to say, okay, let's scale it back a little bit. He, he has the template. Let's see what he can do with it. And I think that's what you're seeing with the Cardinals. Hey, I'm getting beat up a little bit on social media for a comment that I made earlier today. And no, I've never heard. I've never I know, heard it's that a shocker, isn't it? But but because <laughs> because some people some people only hear what they want to hear. They, they, they thought that I was comparing Tyler O'Neill to yeah. They, they thought I was comparing Tyler O'Neill to Tony Gwynn when it comes to strikeouts, and that's not the point I was trying to make. The point that I was making, and yes, I did bring up an extreme, you know, and a guy like Tony Gwynn who in 20 years struck out 417 times, right? But my point is, if Tyler O'Neill is hitting, you know, in a season like this, if he's hitting 281 while swinging and missing 164 times, as he continues to learn how to protect that plate a little bit more, and in certain situations where that ball isn't going to go out of the park, and 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 make contact more with the strength that he can hit and with the with, with the exit velocity that he's got off that bat. You know he's 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 going to get on base even even that much more or that batting average and other analytics and numbers they're going to jump, but he has the ability and the time to grow and learn and still develop his craft. But but I still think as good as he's been, that's 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 too many strikeouts uh, where where you could be helping the team in other areas at the plate. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I think. Tyler O'Neill has another 15 to maybe 20 points he can put on his average if he's a little bit more selective. And, and here's how to get him out. Um, he'll be aggressive early. He'll, he'll swing at the pitches, and then all of a sudden he gets in a rhythm where I'm swinging no matter what. And they get him out on sliders away and forcing fastballs up. Um, he's been, but, but with that said, he's a, he's a more selective hitter this year than he's ever been, and and that's saying something. When you you mentioned 164 strikeouts, and you know when you think about the times he was on the injured list, he'd certainly be be near 200 strikeouts, right? If, if he if he was healthy the whole season. But with that again, with that said, he's a he's more selective, and I've talked to him about it a few times about his approach, and he's just trying to keep it simple be a little bit more disciplined, and I think he's going to be okay. But I'm looking forward to watching him grow because he knows what's going on. He's just got to make sure he doesn't uh, pull the trigger too soon. And uh, I, I think that he's going to be a better hitter. And as I said, I think he can get maybe 20 more points on his average. Claves, uh, one more thing for you before we ask you what's going on on Claves Online. Any team that wins 16 in a row is a dangerous team. But when you look at this Cardinals team, what makes you believe that they're built to continue this streak into the postseason or continue to be a winning team into the postseason? They don't beat themselves. They're they're the most fundamentally sound team I've seen in a long time. I'd have to go back to the teams of the 80s with Ozzie and that bunch where fundamentally they just don't beat themselves defensively. 
They run the bases as well as anybody I've seen. And uh, they don't give you the extra out. And, and that's how teams, you know, win. You know, they take advantage of the out you give them or the walk you give them. Uh, Cardinals don't do that. I mean, and defensively, they're as good as anybody. And when you look on the infield, when Sosa's in the lineup, their infield is almost 82-ish like. When you think about Oberfeld and Ozzie and her and, and Keith Hernandez, I, you know, the, those guys are really, really good. And as Ricky Horton said, Tommy Edmond, he, he, took a, he took a class at Stanford in baseball. I mean, he, baseball 101 because he is one of the smartest players I've seen on the diamond in a long time as far as knowing what to do, knowing the situation. Um, you know, that Stanford education is paying off as far as baseball is concerned, that's for sure. Before we go, we got to talk some hockey. Okay. I got I to run, run a couple of things. Curtis, we're going to have a really good player not make this team. And, you know, yeah. that's not always said. Uh, when I watch, you know, guys, and, and I'm, a, I'm a James Neal guy. I like him. I mean, he's got experience. He's got size. He, he's not going to fight a lot. But you know what? He's going to push back. Uh, but there's going to be a good player that's not going to make this team, and and I think that bodes well for the Blues. I, I because and Doug Armstrong a couple of years ago, several years ago, he had a team meeting, and he basically looked at the team and he said, "I don't have 23 open spots. I have two. You know, we pretty much know who our player is mm-hmm. going to be. Who's going to take those two? And I really think that the Blues are kind of in that spot right now. And Doug Armstrong recreated that situation by bringing in Butchnevich and bringing in Brandon Saad. You know, and so so is it going to be Scott Perunovich or Jake Wallman? You know, d- defensively, yeah. is it who is is it Jake Neighbors or is it James Neal? Who's going to take that spot? Kind of vacated by Jaden Schwartz. You're right. There's, but that internal competition is is strong. And even a guy like like Jordan Cairo, listen, they gave him a chance last night on that line with O'Reilly and David Perron. Cairo's going to be a key part of this team. But are you going to play well enough to stay in that role, or are you going to have to move down the lineup? So Doug Armstrong, to your point, so some, there's some good players that are not going to make this team, and that's because Doug Armstrong has built a team where the competition is tough. I'm so glad Doug Armstrong's going to be around. He and I shared some texts the other day. Um, you know, five years and, and more cups coming is what I told him. And uh, I, I'm really in, in awe of what he's been able to do um, in, in, with that team and how he creates internal competition. Here's another thing. I don't know. A lot, obviously, a lot of people haven't been to the Enterprise Center in a while, obviously because of COVID. I would strongly suggest go to a Blues game and just look at all the improvements and all the nice amenities that have uh, taken place during this time of COVID. Uh, man, it looks like a brand-new building inside. And that was my first time in there in a while. And, and kudos to all the hierarchy who got, who got the money to inv- reinvest in that building. It's as good of a building as we have in, in sports. And I'm very happy for what the Blues have been able to do on that front. That's a great observation, Klebs. Thanks. Yeah, the, the renovations from a few years back to now have, have re- reinvented that building without a doubt. There's no doubt. And and we should all be proud of that place. It, it's, it's top flight. And like I said, obviously a lot of people haven't been there because of COVID. Go. Go see the team. But check out the building and say, "Wow, this is all right." You know, this is this is good stuff. So uh, I'm feeling good about our St. Louis sports right now, as you can tell. Absolutely, and we can see that on Klabs Online. What what do you have going there, Klabs? I looked this morning, and I see that you are in first place in your online football picks too. 
Well, I, I dropped a little bit because I need to. I need to have these guys feel like they can compete. <laughs> but you know, I'll put my foot on the gas pedal here pretty soon. But we've got a lot of stuff. We're doing a lot of baseball stuff. Uh, also, later in the week, we're going to visit with Everett Fitzhugh, uh, the first African American play-by-play voice for yeah. our National Hockey League team, and uh, just talk with him a little bit. I know him a little bit, and we've had a chance to go back and forth. So uh, we're going to start to gradually move into hockey. We're going to have an announcement on a new addition to our hockey coverage. Alex Ferrario is with us, but we're going to have somebody else jump on board with us here very soon, and uh, we'll be all over it. We'll be a good forecheck, that's for sure. (laughs) Awesome. We'll be reading, and you can, of course, follow Mike Claiborne on Twitter at Claibs Online. Claibs, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a great week, everybody. Let's go Blues. Let's go Cardinals. That's right. Speaking of the Cardinals, Harrison Bader was named the National League Player of the Week. At many points in this season, a lot of Cardinals fans were not sold on Harrison Bader. Has this streak changed that? We're going to hear from you. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber sitting in for Randy Carriker today. And we forgot to do this earlier, so let's knock it out right now. 101 ESPN has your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the hottest team in baseball. The St. Louis Cardinals take on the Cubs this Saturday night at Bush. It's going to be a beautiful St. Louis day. This Saturday, 30,000 fans age 16 or older are going to take home their very own Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead, courtesy of Purina. You can get all the details on this Saturday's Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead giveaway for the Cardinals versus the Cubs right now at cardinals.com slash promotions. Or you can just listen to our show for the next hour because we are giving away some tickets. We're going to do the phrase that pays. We've got two words today. We're going to give you one right now, one later in the hour. And once you hear the second word, you need to text in the entire phrase to 65780. And if we pick your name, you're going to see the Cardinals versus the Cubs this Saturday night at Bush. And Curbs, the first word in the phrase that play phrase that pays is amazing. <laughs> amazing is that word. And speaking of the word, amazing. The word is amazing. The word is amazing. And you don't know what the phrase is going to be, okay. so you're going to have to listen. But speaking of amazing, Cardinals winning 16 games in a row. That's amazing. But Harrison Bader has been playing unbelievable during this this stretch. Across eight games, he's betting 517, 15 for 29, 10 runs, five doubles, three home runs, six RBI, two stolen bases, not to mention some unbelievable base running. You know the defense is elite. And he's really been shining during this time. And a lot of people earlier in the season were not sold on Harrison Bader. And we posed it to the listeners. We wanted to know if people were now in on Harrison, that they have a pretty big sample size and they're seeing seeing what he's really capable of. So from the 314 on Harrison Bader, I was a hater and I'm absolutely wrong for that. Love Harrison Bader. Some people were, well, give him time. I mean, that's the expectations of what happens when you bring somebody in and you're talking about a guy that's only in his fifth season in the major leagues, right? And in his first year played 32 games and last year only played 50 games. You know, like there's there's this is where this is where you have to. And I know sometimes it can be so hard. You got to trust the uh, you got to trust the management of a team that knows what they have in a player, right? Trust the process. Well, and and, and trust the process, because. It, man, it takes time to learn. I'm, talk to anybody that swung a bat at the major league level, pitched at the major league level, been in the field. There's still a huge jump from AAA to the major leagues. 
And then, then you got to get used to, like, you're going around. The first time around, you get used to ballparks. You get used to sight lines. You, I mean, that, that affects you defensively, off, offensively at the plate, too. Uh, your third time facing a pitcher. Your fourth time facing a pitcher. Um, situational hitting. All, all those kind of things. Man, it takes a while to gain some experience to be really, really good. The ones that come on the scene, the Mike Trouts, the Shohei Otanis, they come on the scene and are, I mean, and Shohei Otani had some pro experience anyway, right? But when they come on the scene and are that good right off the bat, those are the special ones. That That's not the norm. Right. His defense has always been incredible. Yes. It was the offense that had some questions. And even earlier in the season when a lot of people were asking questions about Harrison Bader and his offense. What is he going to give you? What is right. he going to give you consistently? The entire team was struggling offensively. And I think when you're seeing everyone clicking at once, clearly something's happening with this team from a mojo standpoint. But if ever, whatever the approach is, and Claves talked about it with us last segment about how they maybe pulled back a little bit on the analytics, pulled back on the information, and we're seeing the results of that come to fruition right now. Maybe that's something that Harrison Bader was dealing with. So I think the fact that now you're seeing him explode from an offensive standpoint is really, really promising. Michelle, his defense gave his defense being as good as it is bought him time. It bought him time to figure out the offensive part of it. But I know people are probably tired of hearing it. There was an issue with the batting coach, with the hitting coach. Okay, there was an issue. Now, was the issue the fact that they they took the wrong guy when they made the change? You know, a year, year and a half ago, uh, was the issue just hearing from two different philosophical sides when both those guys were there? Is it now, uh, you know, trying to figure that out? Because it wasn't just hey, we've got everybody going and one guy. Like at, at some point, uh, way too many guys were not going. That makes you think that there's no way we misevaluated all of these players. Sure, right? So. That's where, and, and good organizations do that. You continue to assess and roll. They did. They fixed it. They, they, they've worked through some things, as Claves uh, addressed, and you're seeing the results of this now. So I, I think that's a positive. I, I, don't, I don't know that you could look at any one thing, say, with Harrison Bader. Yeah, there's individual stuff, but there was something bigger organizationally that was off-center. For sure. Let's get to a mic drop on the Rhino Shield mic drop feature in the 101 ESPN app. Jason is with us. When Harrison Bader first came up what, four seasons ago, been nothing but glimpses and when those glimpses were of the positive nature he was very very fun to watch his speed the dingers the elite defense the flair the attitude that he brings very very fun to watch but as it turned into more of a daily grind it seemed the at-bats engulfed him and I started to believe that those dingers were only a product of the ball running into his bat he took the exact same swing on every pitch and if the ball just happened to hit his bat it went a long way Uh, This year, I believe that the consistency has taken up notch and it could stick. And uh, his 250 in today's game translates to like a 270 in yesteryear's baseball. So I believe with an extensional upgrade of offensive production at shortstop, Harrison Bader could be the best 7-8 hitter in the league. Uh, Go Bader. Go Bader. (laughs) See that? Tags it with Go Bader. Uh, I like it. I think he's flipped a lot of people. 
The majority of the text line are, are people saying, I didn't believe in him, and I've seen a lot of a lot of positive signs. This one from the 573, for the past two years, I believe that Harrison Bader would grow into a very solid, solid Major League Baseball hitter. Why? Because Jim Edmonds has spoken again and again about the talent and the hitting ability of Harrison Bader. He was sixth in Rookie of the Year voting. You know, I mean, he, he, his second year in the league after playing 32 games in 2017, he comes up and plays 138 in 2018 and was sixth in rookie of the year voting. I mean, there's it, man, it just, it just takes time. I know it's hard. Like you, you just you want to see it go. That inconsistency is stuff when the team is struggling, too. I mean, and not just I'm not just talking about what we saw at the plate this year. You know, the last couple of years, there's there's been some inconsistencies in trying to get guys in, into their specific roles. And and I, I love the fact that, that he that he's doing this. It, it boy, it it's hard as a fan, isn't it? I mean, it just takes patience to watch guys figure it out and it it does it does take some time and remember a bunch of fans are always saying how come you don't go to the young guy how come you don't give him a chance and see what he can do <laughs> that's what you have to do and to do that you're going to get some growing pains and he's gone through some he's he's learning how to be a major league baseball player one more before we take a break here from the 417. Personally, I felt that Bader has been one of the most impactful players when he's on the field. Without him and center, the whole team is a mess. And sometimes, Curbs, you realize the value of someone when they're not there. I think we saw that Bingo. this season yes. with Jack Flaherty. We, we knew how amazing Jack Flaherty was, but you saw how different the complexity of this rotation was without him. Harrison Bader was the same deal. When he was dealing with the rib injury and he wasn't in center field, you saw just how valuable he was for you when he was out there on the field. How tough is it, too, to go through spring training? And then, I mean, you don't have a a great one. You get injured, and then you miss a month of a season. I mean, man, that's... How many times you talk about how important it is for somebody in the NFL? Ah, they're holding out. They're missing camp. They're missing key things, right? And you miss a month of action in any sport. That's tough. It, It... I'm I'm happy. I'm so happy for this guy because he's such a good guy. He was honored by the Foundation Finding Blindness uh, two years ago. You know, one of the Visionary Awards M- might have been actually might have been three to be honest with you at this point and stuff. And he was he was so gracious at that event and, and talking to the fans and, and and how he handled things that year. So it was it, it was a cool moment for him. And when you when you see his personality off the field, he's an easy guy to root for. Real yep. positive attitude. Absolutely. Infectious energy. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next, it's You're Killing Me, Smalls on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber sitting in for Randy Carriker today. And it's time for... Oh... I was waiting for the You're Killing Me Smalls drop, but Emily firing the sounder for the phrase that pays 101 ESPN has your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Cardinals take on the Cubs this Saturday night at Bush. 30,000 fans, ages 16 or older, are going to take home their very own Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead, courtesy of Purina. You can get all the details on this Saturday's Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead giveaway for the Cardinals versus the Cubs now at cardinals.com slash promotions or... You can text right now to 65780. We're going to give you the second word. You have to text in the entire phrase that pays to 65780. And you could win tickets to see the Cardinals versus the Cubs this Saturday. And since Harrison Bader is the National League Player of the Week, Curbs, why don't we take texter number 48? I like it. Number 48. And the second word in the phrase that pays is flow. 
It is flow. So, so don't reveal oh, the entire phrase. Don't reveal it. I see it. what you did there. But if you were listening, text in the whole phrase. And text for number 48 is going to the Cardinals versus the Cubs this Saturday night. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, we're riding high here in St. Louis right now. Curbs Blues hockey is back. The Cardinals have won 16 games in a row. But our friends to the north, not so much. Not so much. Well, I guess I if, you're, if you're a White Sox fan, life life is pretty good. But if you're a Cubs fan, eh. If you're a Bears fan, uh, things are if not. If you're a Blackhawks fan, who knows? Maybe. I don't know enough about right. the Bulls to be able to throw them in here on this. I think they're kind of in the same category. Okay. All right. Growing, but in the same category. Okay. So the Bears... Lost 26-6 to to the Cleveland Browns in week three. There's been a lot of discussion about Matt Nagy, about his game plan heading into the, the loss versus the Browns. And he says that all three Chicago quarterbacks, Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, and Nick Foles, are under consideration to start Sunday versus the Lions. Dalton is currently sidelined with that left knee bruise, and Fields suffered an injury to his right throwing hands against the Browns. So he's saying all three quarterbacks are under consideration for Sunday, but ESPN Dan Zorlowski says that he shouldn't even be making that decision. The Chicago Bears should fire Matt Nagy today. Because yesterday's game plan, which was the worst one I've ever seen in my life, was either negligence or intentional. It's been 149 days since the Bears drafted Justin Fields. You had 149 days to start to build a game plan around the skill set of this young man. And it was an embarrassment. Justin Fields threw the ball 20 times yesterday. 13 times they went with five-man protection with no help for their offensive line. 13 out of 20. Yesterday you showed us that you are incapable of designing the proper game plan around a dynamic quarterback, or you showed showed us that it was intentional, that you wanted him to fail, and you set him up to be a disaster. As a team, the Bears had 47 net yards, one net passing yards, only six first downs, and they went one of 11 on third down curbs. Uh, I love the last part of that quote, or you did it intentionally. I mean, if you did it intentionally, you're trying to get yourself fired. So uh, we know that that's, that's not the case. The challenge for Matt Nagy is, is a guy that's, that's come in and supposed to be offensive-minded. They're, they're struggling to find it. You know, they're, they're struggling. They're, they're struggling to find it. And if you don't, if, if you're not put like like if, if you're not if Justin Fields, if you can't protect him, you've got to put plays in place that's going to let him move out of the pocket, right? And and right now, this is a, this at least appears to be a head coach that is not coaching to the talent level of his players, not using what they can. He's trying to say, here's my game plan. I want you to fit into it, not game planning for what he has to work with. And that gets a coach in trouble no matter what the sport. I think Matt Nagy's in a really tough spot because – you want to make sure that Justin Fields is ready before you throw him to the wolves. So I understand why he was very steadfast earlier in the season and his Andy Dalton is going to start comments. I, I get it. You don't want to throw Justin Fields out there and have him not be prepared and or have him get hurt. That's the most important thing. He is the future. But Dan Orlowski does have a point. You, you knew that eventually he was going to be the guy. You had a lot of time to make sure that you had a scheme for Justin Fields when he, that time arrived, whether it was week three or week six, whatever it may, it may be. You knew what you were seeing from a skill set standpoint from Justin Fields. So the game plan should have been better. But maybe if, if that's the case, 
And, and I have no idea because I'm not around the team. But maybe if that's the case, maybe he was ready if it was week six or week seven. But the injury to Andy Dalton throws you in there in week three. You know, and, and he decides, well, this is going to be better than, than Foles. And I've got two banged up quarterbacks already. You know, if, if I mean, if Andy Dalton doesn't get hurt, then even if they lose to the Browns, but they, they lose 26-21, is it a totally, is it a different feel? Is it a different vibe? Is it a different situation? And so I, I think I think some perspective there is pro- is probably needed. You remember when Kurt Warner threw, was thrown for the Giants, right? And and they go, he's our he's our quarterback. And you know Eli is just waiting to come in. And when they finally was it week four, week five, week six, somewhere in there, when they finally made the switch, Kurt Warner still had a winning record with the New York Giants. He had the winning record, and they they went to Eli. And maybe they were trying something similar here, but the injuries forced their hand early. You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, quickly, I just want to give a shout-out to Michael Porter Jr. because he and the Denver Nuggets have reached an agreement on a five-year maximum rookie contract extension worth up to $207 million, wow. according to Woj. Without incentives, Michael Porter Jr.'s contract is worth $172 million. And Michael Porter Jr., one of the most improved players in, in the NBA last season. And I know a lot of Mizzou Tiger fans are probably happy for him, but always will wonder, what if, about uh, Michael Porter Jr.? Yeah, and that's a fair what if a oh, whole yeah. season knowing that this was probably a one and done situation as, as a, a or you know they're trying to turn the, the program around a little bit yeah that, that was a bummer that we didn't get to watch him more that year but I'm, I'm glad he's healthy and, and man that's getting paid yes it is that's that's getting paid without having done a whole lot yet and you're likely going to get another contract and there's another one coming that's right that's right too bad we're not. Hey, I mean, I don't begrudge anybody that. I'm good for them. Good no for doubt. Them. No doubt. That's Chris Kerber. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Sarah Langs, MLB.com writer and correspondent. You probably follow her on Twitter at Slangs on Sports. She always has great information, especially great information about this Cardinals winning streak. And we're going to talk to her about that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. I'm Michelle Smallman. Randy Carriker is on vacation today. He's playing a little golf, and it looks like a beautiful day to play golf. But we have Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, hanging out in studio with us all morning long. We've had a lot of fun. And, Kerbs, we have a winner for the phrase that pays. I love it. It's Michael from Maryland Heights, Missouri. He is going to see the Cardinals versus the Cubs and get a Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead courtesy of Purina this Saturday night. Congratulations to Michael. And he is getting those tickets because he knew that the phrase that pays is amazing flow. Something I have never had. (laughs) In honor of Harrison Bader, who's the National League Player of the Week. So congratulations again to Michael. But let's jump to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and welcome in Sarah Langs. She is an MLB.com writer and correspondent. You should follow her on Twitter if you don't already, at S. Langs, Slangs, S. Langs on sports. And she has unbelievable information. She's one of my favorite Twitter follows. Sarah, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, and thank you so much. I really appreciate the kind words. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean it. You always have unbelievable information. I think a lot of people, Sarah, watch games on Twitter. They're watching the game on their television, and they're also watching on social media to see what other people are saying. And you're always putting out great information. And during the 16-game win streak, it's important that we get those things to put into context just how special and rare what we're seeing out of the Cardinals is right now. So during this stretch, what's the most impressive stat that you've come across about the Cardinals during this streak? 
So I think my favorite thing about the streak, and it's a part of it, the streak is obviously not over, but it's a part of the streak that's over, is all the road games they won during it. So within the streak, they won their final 11 road games, with the last one being on Sunday at Wrigley Field. They became just the second team in MLB history to win their final 11 or more road games in the season. And the other team was the 1887 Philadelphia Quakers. That's now the Phillies, but they were known as the Quakers back then. Whenever the other team is a team that was playing teams like the Detroit Wolverines and Indianapolis Hoosiers, which don't even sound like baseball teams to us anymore. I don't know. To me, that's the marker of just something completely wild. So that's obviously within the 16 games, 11 of them were their final 11 road games. When you see a baseball team that starts to click at this time of the year, and then you talk to other members of other organizations that know they might have to contend to them, what's the read that you get on it? Well, you know, I mean, there is some research out there that shows that ending the season on big streaks like this doesn't necessarily have an impact on postseason play, but that doesn't mean that it's not a great team, right? It just means that, you know, the Indians, when they had their really long win streak in 2017, they did not make it out of the first round of the playoffs, things like that. So we've seen those things happen with some September win streaks, but I think overall, regardless of exact sort of streak and what that ends up playing out to, I think everybody is pretty scared of this team right now. I mean, you know, they're going to face a 100-plus win team in the wildcard game, whether it's the Giants or the Dodgers. That team could end up with 103 or 104 wins. But, you know, I don't think you ever want to face a team that is just so hot at the exact right time. And that's what we've seen from them. And that's not even quantifiable, but that's what we're seeing. Sorry to jump you there, Sarah. Uh, is it from a number standpoint, which matchup do you think is more favorable for the Cardinals, the Dodgers or the Giants? That's a great question. I mean, I do think that I, I've seen some people sort of saying that the Giants might be a little bit more favorable for the Cardinals. The Giants have some trouble with sort of soft tossing lefties and people are saying, oh, start Kwon Hung Kim. And, you know, that could be something um, that could help. But I think those teams are honestly pretty similar. You know, they're very deep and that's why they're where they are. And that's why they're each going to win like 103 plus games, most likely. But, you know, I, I'm not sure it even matters all that much. I think as long as the Cardinals keep playing the way they're playing, it, it shouldn't matter exactly who they're facing. And especially in a one-game playoff, I mean, you know, we've seen anything can happen in these games. And there have been some really wild ones, and we've seen some outstanding pitching performances, some really vintage things like that. And there's no reason that in a one-game scenario like that, it can't go the Cardinals' way. Sarah, when the Cardinals went out and at the deadline, and Cardinal fans were clamoring for different starting pitching in that scenario, even from the beginning of the year and last offseason. And they go out and they end up grabbing John Lester. And they grab Jay Happ. And it's it, they weren't moves that would, I f- frankly, might even, moves that wouldn't even move the needle on, on the seismograph at all at the time because of the seasons that are having, that they had. Now that they've had this renaissance as an, or as a team, How important do you think has the veteran nature and what those two pitchers have gone through been to helping this team out in this run? 
I mean, I think it has to be helping a ton. You know, it, it is funny because when they made those moves, I think we were all kind of sitting here like, well, they're not in it. What are they doing exactly here? I guess they just need innings. But, you know, Hap has really been pretty good for them, especially when you consider what he was doing for the Twins before he came over. You know, he had a 677 ERA. And I'm sitting here watching all the deadline moves playing out saying, are they that desperate for innings? Like, what's going on here? But he's at 397 in his 10 starts with the Cardinals, and he has given them those innings. And, you know, Lester, similarly, he's pitched better than he did with the Nationals earlier in the year. And I really think those intangibles come into play. You know, having so much of a veteran presence in that clubhouse, obviously they have it with Adam Wainwright, and they have it with Yadier Molina. But bringing in two other guys who've also been competing in those kinds of moments, and Lester is a multi-time World Series winner, I think that all of that just helps the team really steady itself and get back into the race and then go off on this incredible streak that we're seeing. Sarah Langs is our guest on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, MLB.com writer and correspondent, and follow her on Twitter, Slangs on Sports. Unbelievable information from her. And Sarah, we just touched on the pitching. The Cardinals' offense have, has obviously exploded, found their stride, but I don't think the Cardinals' defense is getting enough love for what they've been able to do during this streak. They're really elite defensively. What's your reaction when the Cardinals have a 3 2 5 4 2 8 6 double play? I mean, that was just insane. I mean, it was so much fun. And, you know, that's the type of thing that their defense is outstanding. And I, I want to give you a couple numbers with that. But that almost felt like the type of thing that just happens to a team that has won at that point 15 in a row and is just having this incredible streak. You know, that's the type of thing we see in baseball where it's almost inexplicable. But to your point, this is an outstanding defensive team, so we shouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, they have 48 outs above average, which is the StatCast defensive metric, which is seven more than any other team. And, you know, I've been talking about this a lot lately. I think that their great defense, which they've had all year, is part of what really kept this team in the race. I mean, they weren't very close to a wild card as recently as early September, but I think that that's kind of what was the underlying steadiness with this team and kept them at least close enough to be able to do this is that even as the pitching struggled and everything else, they do prevent runs in this way. And that's the type of team that is going to be successful in October. I mean, playing good defense, playing good fundamental baseball like that is always going to help you when the stakes are that high. Okay. Have some fun with this one, Sarah. If, if, if the Cardinals could clinch tonight, which they can in several ways, either by a victory or a loss by both the Phillies and the Reds, uh, they, they can really set themselves up for this one-game playoff a week from tomorrow, however they want. Is Adam Wainwright your no-doubt wildcard game starter? I think he has to be. I mean, in part because of the season that he's had and in part because, you know, Jack Flaherty is still kind of building up. You know, it's great to see him return. But I think you want to go with a guy who has gone seven innings or more, more than anybody else in the majors this year, as opposed to a guy who is just coming off now his second injury of the year. And, you know, it's a great fact that they have those two guys and you know we've been hearing about Dakota Hudson and you know there's other names in the offing who are also really great pitchers but I I don't think you can do anything other than start Adam Wainwright and it's just such an amazing storyline too I mean taking away the fact that he's having an outstanding year and everything else just to see him on the mound for them in that kind of situation in 2021 I mean it's just it's beyond belief and it's so so cool 
Great information. Sarah Langs, MLB.com writer and correspondent. Of course, please follow her on Twitter at Slangs on Sports. You will not regret it. If you're watching any of these Cardinals games, you're going to get some interesting stats from her that put all of this into context. Sarah, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate you. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Really appreciate it. All right, that's Sarah Langs from MLB.com. Chris Kerber, Michelle Smallman, and coming up next, we're going to cross it over with Danny Mac, the voice of the Cardinals, to get ready for the Danny Mac Show with BK. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Kerrickerns moment on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber in for Randy Kerricker. And Danny Mack is joining us, the voice of the Cardinals on Valley Sports. And, of course, uh, of the Danny Mack show with BK. That's right. Here on 101 ESPN. Dan, how are you doing? That's right. I'm doing great. How about you guys? We're good. Excellent. How, how was your off day? It was wonderful. We had beautiful weather. Uh, did a little fishing. So it was great. Locally? Uh, where did you go? Like a Tilly's Park kind of lake? Or no, you, no, 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 no. Southern Missouri. Oh, okay. Yeah. A little bluegill, Trout, little bass. bass. Yeah. With, with the kids? No, they were in school. Uh, oh, so it's just you, Dan. Just some was. alone time. That's oh, yeah. probably nice. I, I took the just kids, a little uh, me time. <laughs> I, I took the kids earlier this summer down to Merrimack Springs to do some trout fishing. Okay, And I had two closed reel rods and, and, uh, and then three open reel ones. It was, and as you know, your kids, are, your kids are young enough too, right? You are just constantly hooking, yeah. baiting. I mean, it is it is really a factory if you're doing it on your own. I ended up with five rods of just bird's nests, like the the oh, line. Yeah. I finally, uh, so before I went back down with, with Gracie a couple weeks ago, uh, back to do some trout fishing, I took all my reels over to Bass Pro. And oh, I, I went, said, go get it Can done. you guys just take this out and restring them all? Oh, and they're yeah. like, yeah, no problem. It was, I mean, it was one of the most helpful experiences ever yep. than trying to fix them. It was so excellent. My son, my youngest, he loves uh, fishing. Mm-hmm. So he said, Dad, you know, if the soccer thing doesn't work out, I'll probably just become a, bro, uh, a pro uh, bass fisherman. Sure. I said, sure. Yeah. Why not? He watches all the YouTube stuff. He understands, like, depth and temperature and what to use. And he's, he's in it, How man. old is he? He is 12. Okay. So I'm sure he has all the apps. Oh, yeah. I'm He's sure there's a million it, yeah. fishing apps, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can find all that stuff. Well, uh, Dan, when you were having a little alone time with Dan yesterday. It was a little Dan time. Dan on Dan time. Were you thinking at all about Harrison Bader being named the National League Player of the Week and his performance during these past eight games? Well, not really. <laughs> uh, and you just told me about it. So congratulations oh. to Bader. Congratulations. Um, well, I'm glad you were able to unplug so much. I was but locked yes. in, as you can tell. I, well, locked into the trout. But Did you catch anything? Oh, yeah. I got some bass. Okay. Nice. Yeah, it nice. was good. Well, I just we were talking a lot about Harrison Bader today and about how a lot of Cardinals fans weren't necessarily sold on Harrison Bader at the beginning of the season and maybe throughout the season, but just how impressive he's been during this eight-game streak. You know, uh, Sixteen-game streak, but the past eight sure. games for Bader. I, um, I've been sold on his defense basically from day one and and the question would always be can he hit and will he make adjustments with the slider middle outer half and the question the the, i think the the answer to that is yes now he is going to be streaky i think that we understand that too with tyler o'neill who's made an incredible adjustment against that same pitch 
But, you know, the front office said, hey, we, we have to see these guys play every day. Mm-hmm. We want to see what they do if they play every day. And I also think, especially in O'Neal's case, he's not looking over his shoulder. So when he was getting a run as a guy that could uh, play uh, at the major league level, it would be, let's say, for a 21-day stretch because Ozuna was hurt. And a lot of times guys come up and they know that that time, that frame to make uh, an impression is short and they put a lot of pressure on themselves. And I think that we saw that with O'Neal to where now he's like, I'm comfortable here. A lot of it's between the years and that happens in baseball. I'm getting emotional about it. Yes. Um, Happens in baseball all the time, but I think for those two guys, just realizing you're going to be in the, the, the lineup every single day, that has made a massive difference in, in their careers. Um, I remember going to Stubby Clapp, and I and Stubby had Tyler O'Neill in the minors. And I said, you know, Stubby, I, I see the numbers, but I'm not seeing the player when he's coming here. What am I missing? And he said, I'm telling you, this guy's a gold glover. I said, gold glover? You got to be kidding me. He goes, no, no, no. When he's down there, when he plays relaxed, he is tremendous, and he is a Gold Glove type player. And he hits, and he hits it all over the place. And he's running. He said, but when he comes up here, I think he looks over his shoulder a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he worries that okay, I'm. It's going to be two weeks, and I'm sent back down. And guys don't want to go back down. They want to stay in the major leagues. So, I think those are two things that that stand out with those two guys is just playing every day, but also what that allows them to do mentally and and to be relaxed. Well, put yourself in in their spots. In in AAA, you're on the doorstep of achieving something you strive for your whole life. Sure. You're playing every day. You're the guy down there. The reason that you're about to get called up or the reason you're going to get your chance is you're one of the best players down there. Then you get up here and you have to prove yourself all over again. And you're doing it against... A level of pitching maybe you haven't seen. You're doing it in ballparks where, you know, sight lines, different things like that. You're doing it, as you said, with the the (laughs) pressure, and it takes takes some time. And then you're dealing with the unknown thing that that you haven't dealt with maybe in a while, and that's playing time. Am I playing enough? Down there, you knew that if I struck out three times, that's okay. I'm going to go back in there. Up here, strike out three times. I may not see the the field for two more days. And it it is a completely different mental experience for young players trying to make the biggest jump of their career. And it, it, it isn't an easy thing to do. No, Tyler O'Neill this time last year. So you're you're talking roughly when you saw the Padres uh, in postseason play, and they went with Austin Dean off the bench for the final out of that game. He didn't play. Right. I mean, that's where they were with him. You know, you were really wondering: is this the player that uh, we anticipated that we could? And I had heard from various people around the the club. They said, man, when we traded for this guy, um, the analytics are off the charts. And it's the things that are measurable in hard hit percentage, um, how fast he is. I mean, these are really God-given abilities that he's that he possesses that are off the charts. And they said, if he can ever put it together, we got something here. I mean, we really got something here. And they didn't want to give up Marco Gonzalez. They like Marco Gonzalez. And he's been fine as a, uh, a frontline starter at times for the Mariners. So you're thinking, man, we gave up a lot to get this guy. And now it's come to fruition. And the other key move, I think, in this run was putting him between Goldie and, and Arenado. Right. Now, where's the protection for Nolan Arenado? I get that. Someone else needs to step up. Um, but being there's not only protection in front, there's also the protection in, uh, in behind you, but also the protection in front. It's both. And being sandwiched between those two guys, 
you're going to get a lot of pitches to hit, and he's just he's made the most of it. Absolutely. I also think the the front office deserves and and Mike Schilt and the coaching staff deserve some credit for some patience because they did say they did say heading into the season we want to get a full season of evaluation on our outfield last year with everything with the pandemic I don't think it was really a fair assessment of, of what you actually have and there's a lot of noise and a lot of people when the Cardinals aren't doing well in June and the team is not living up to expectations and we're talking about all of these different outfielders that the team has traded away it could have been very easy to react to all of that and pull the plug or to try to shift something but I think they deserve a lot of credit for sticking with these guys and having the patient and patience and sticking to their game plan because well, it's clearly playing out I think in baseball you have to be maybe more patient in baseball than any other sport mm-hmm. because it's so long and it's six months and it's every night and you're going to have those ups and downs man it just that's just the way it is and um, so I go back to June and I can understand completely uh, why fans were upset at that point. It, it was historically bad. I've said it many times. Hitting-wise was one of the worst months they ever had. Pitching-wise was one of the worst months, I mean, in franchise history. Mm-hmm. And so you, now you're not winning, and then you're seeing this product that is unentertaining. It, it wasn't entertaining when you walk into everybody in the ballpark, and they were on pace for 700 walks. I mean, it was it was rough. And so... It's a different team in that regard, but they got through it, and you just have to be almost pragmatic with it and patient and have the patience. I, I wouldn't. I, I mean, if, if I was GM, I, hell, I would have traded half the team probably by <laughs> Me now. Too. I mean, Me I, too. and I'd yep. be fifty million over budget, and we'd be twenty games out. <laughs> so I, there's you just Mo is Hope very good, good in that clause. Re- yeah, Mo is really good with that, and I understand how frustrating that can be. Because you want the immediacy, man. As a fan, you want immediacy. Mm-hmm. But the long-term view of what things project out to be, sometimes it happens and they've they've hit. They hit on these guys. What do you have coming up on the show with BK? Uh, Jason Stark. Mm-hmm. He'll be our guest. Nice. And uh, BK will be in here. And he'll be uh, opinionated, as always. And we'll, t- we'll uh, also have some, I'm sure, some fine texts. Yes. And we'll dive into that. Maybe a little sound from around the league. And uh, it'll be a celebration of an hour of radio that you'll never, ever experience again. And an hour you won't get back in your life again. <laughs> well, I'll be listening. That's for that, sure. That's what for a sure. tease. What a tease is what right. What a tease. Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, we will be listening. Thank you, Curbs. Another fun morning with you. Thank you, Emily, for all your great work. Thanks. Uh, this has been Carriker and Smallman. But keep it here for the Danny Mac Show with BK next on 101 ESPN. That was the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.